Hey, babe, what you got there? This is a check from Carvana. I just sold my car to them. I went online and Carvana gave me an offer right away. Then they just picked up the car and gave me this. Well, that's a big check. Well, obviously you could put this towards your next car, or we could finally get that jacuzzi, or I could start taking tuba lessons, or I could quit my job and write my memoir. Or I can put it towards my next car with Carvana. Sorry, your check, not mine. Sell your car to Carvana. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get a real offer in seconds. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 13, Episode 71. He's Dave Brian. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Friday, Steelers Nation, as we are getting ready for the Pittsburgh Steelers' very meaningful regular season finale against the Cleveland Browns Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Hopefully not the last game for the Pittsburgh Steelers this season, although we'll just have to see what happens. But uh, Dave, so much to talk about today. How you doing? Doing good. Happy Friday uh, here. Week 17. Uh, I would have never thought uh, week 18 uh, Friday <laughs> we'd be having some of the conversations uh, that we're having here. And, and really, was, I don't know if you listened to my terrible take yesterday there. Uh, kind of a, uh, you know, I'm reviewing the Steelers season, so to speak, and really more, more specifically the, the job that Mike Tomlin has done here. Uh, I've, I tweeted, I've said several times that this team somehow manages to get into the playoffs. Uh, they need to build a statue when it comes to, to, to Mike Tomlin, but, but within the same breath, you know, after all this team has been through, you know, if they don't win on Sunday against the Browns, then we're back to right exactly where we we both picked this team to be in mm-hmm. eight, eight and nine and a uh, uh tomlin's first losing season and there's no way that that i don't think you can you know uh, uh put lipstick on the pig uh there so uh, yeah, has indeed this this you know looking at tomlin's job performance in 2022 has it indeed come down to this last game against the Browns, a team that is out of it, that, you know, they're, they're still a good team. Make, make no mistake about it. It's, it's kind of, as we joke, they're Super Bowl, so to speak, but you, you're, you know, the way you're, you know, the team on the upswing right now, you're supposed to win this game. Uh, now, obviously you can't control what happens, you know, to get you in the playoffs and, you know, the, the obvious reaction to that is, well, don't get yourself in a situation where you have to rely on that. But all that aside, does Tomlin's job performance for 2022 and how it's graded really come down to this game, Alex? To a degree, at least in the historic perspective of obviously, you know, keeping that streak alive, although neither of us are huge fans of that streak in, in terms of all the recognition it gets. Um, it's not a Pittsburgh's judge, but we understand the, the historic nature of it. I think it's going to be weird no matter what happens. Weird if they get all the help they need, they make the playoffs. It's going to be weird if they have their first losing season. It'll be maybe even weirder if they win and don't get in. And you're just kind of sitting there with this weird, had a really good finish and yet, you know, staying at home for for, for the postseason. So I don't know how this thing's going to go. But as you said, it's pretty wild just to be in this position, in this conversation at three and seven. 
I don't think anyone outside of maybe Tomlin and maybe not even everyone in that locker room expected this team to be eight and eight after that three and seven position when they lost to the Bengals. Right. And by no matter, look, I mean, celebrating uh hooray, a, a non-losing season, you didn't make the playoffs. Uh, that that's not what I'm trying to do here, but I sure. mean, uh, you know, let, let's face it, at least from my perspective and, and I know yours as well too. Uh, I, I thought this was an eight and nine team. And at, at the time of even making that, uh, uh, preseason prognostication, I thought, man, was I too rich by a game, <laughs> you know? And mm-hmm. then when you got to, when you got to what this team was at what, two and six uh, at the bye, I'm really starting to think, oh man, did I, how much did maybe I overshoot this thinking this was eight and 19, but look, here we are. I mean, eight and eight, and, uh, a chance, a uh, legitimate chance to go nine and eight. Let's, let's face it. I mean, I, I know the percentage you know, uh, uh, the chances to make the playoffs is, 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 is way low here, but the reality and the plausibility of when you look inside of each game, you know, the other two games that's going on, there's a real plausible aspect to this team, uh, making the playoffs. So, uh, it, it is a weird thing where you don't, you know, you don't want to celebrate nine and eight and all, but I, I, I guess long story short, I'm I'm real impressed at the turnaround of this team and the fact that here we are in week 18, we're talking about, you know, potential playoff here. And I think back to the conversation we had around the bye where we said we both sat there and said this team's going to be better the second half of the season. I think you picked them to go five and four. I picked them to go four and five. They've exceeded those expectations. So I think even in that two and six moment at their at their lowest point, getting blown up by the Eagles, we both knew there's going to be a better second after the year Watt comes back a more favorable schedule, et cetera. But I don't think either of us, or at least myself didn't, didn't see this team going on this type of a run. Right. Right. And, and even before the season, we said the first half of the season is going to be, you know, and, and this is before even Watt went down, you know, uh, saying, man, it's going to be a tough road in that first half of the season there, but that in the second half of the season, that's when we would expect them uh, uh, to win games. And, you know, once again, here we are with the chance of this team going nine and eight, which would be one game better than what, what we thought they would be. And damn, if they get into the playoffs, <laughs> uh, you know, obviously, you know, you would be then searching to, to eliminate the fact that they hadn't won a playoff game in, in right. all those years. And boy, it would be a tall task regardless of who they play in the first round because, you know, it would, at this point, I think it would either be the Chiefs or the Bills, right? Uh, uh, if they did get into the playoffs there. But I, I don't know. I just, you know, I don't want to frame it too rosy here. But, you know, and once again, I, I do really think that it comes down to whether or not this team wins on Sunday as to how we look back at, you know, at, at the season. Because once again, if they're eight, nine, and, and the other things happen that would allow them to get into the playoffs. It's hard to frame that as, oh, well done, Mike Tomlin. You know, but in the, but in the same breath, they go nine and eight, and and if they do get in, or even if they don't get in, I just think well, this team wasn't very good to start the season. Sure, and and really, when this team was two and six, our whole thought was the rest of the season's about Kenny Pickett, the young guys on this team, how they progress, how they grow, and and what you can take into twenty twenty three regardless of how the rest of 2022 finished out. And obviously you've seen Pickett make big strides the last two weeks, the Ravens game, especially 
And so really, regardless what happens, of course, you want to win, you want to get in the playoffs, et cetera. But regardless, you feel like you're, you have a, a good foundation laid with him and Najee's health and better play, the offensive line improving, George Pickens, et cetera, to carry you into 2023. So we're still watching this one very closely. Um, frankly, in terms of all the legs that have to happen for Pittsburgh to get in, maybe the hardest one is for Pittsburgh just to beat the Browns. I mean, the Jets game we'll talk about, there's a lot of quarterback rotation there. The Steelers' uh, fate may, may rest in the hands of Joe Flacco right now. We don't even know, but... Um, you know, you feel like Buffalo's got a good shot to beat the Patriots, the Dolphins, you know, they got their own quarterback issues. Maybe the biggest challenge of those three prongs for Pittsburgh to get in, get in is just taking care of business this Sunday. Right, right. And once again, boy, uh, the conversation that we would be having Monday morning if those other two games go to Steelers way, but they lose to the Browns. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We're, we're having well, once again. Yeah. I, that's why I say you got to be careful with with kind of framing this because I I, I literally think that it comes down to how you judge this uh, the job that Mike Tomlin has done this season down to one game and that's Sunday uh, at Acershire against the Browns. Yeah, no, that that's a fair point overall. So uh, before we get into more news of the day, I want to mention we have our friend Scott uh, Petrak on uh, a little bit later in the show, Browns writer for the Chronicle Telegram and Medina Gazette, also brownzone.com. You can find him there. So we talk about Deshaun Watson, about the recent news on Jadavian Clowney, get his perspective on the Browns and a prediction for this game. But before we do all of that and get into the Steelers injury report here, let's talk about the news that happened yesterday, late last night, the NFL officially announcing it is canceling the Bengals-Bills game on Monday night. Um, will not be resumed, will not be made up at any point this season. The first canceled game since 1935 for the NFL. They've outlined the long list of playoff changes that generally don't change the, you know, the needle too much for, for Pittsburgh situation. Uh, we could talk about you know Buffalo and their incentives to play in this one. Maybe there's a little bit extra incentive for Buffalo this weekend. Uh, but you know, talking about the host of changes there, there is no eight playoff. 18 playoff that was floated, which I think was just kind of idle speculation yesterday anyway. Um, and then also want to mention the, the, the most important news here. They're really encouraging developments and news on Demar Hamlin, who is still in uh, the ICU, still in, I think, critical condition, but his condition has improved greatly. He's apparently awake, uh, responsive, um, commun- communicating with, with, with friends and family and teammates. And so um, that is just fantastic news there on Demar Hamlin. Absolutely, it was, and it was kind of surreal, kind of watching all that. You have, I, I think people can find either on YouTube or the Bills channel, or find that whole uh, press conference that the doctors gave and all like that uh, on 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 Thursday morning. It, it does sound, uh, I mean, beyond beyond. You know, look, he he. It sounds like he's going to make it, right? Uh, mm-hmm. First and foremost, and even beyond that, uh, it really sounds like he's going to be okay. You know, and, you know, it's obviously way too, too early to, 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 uh, uh, talk about well, here. Here's, uh, uh, you know, sounds like maybe his breathing tube might come out here pretty soon and all. And it's, you know, don't want to put the cart before the horse about his NFL career and all like that. But it does, it does sound like, you know, maybe there is some chance that, you know, obviously in the next year, maybe he can resume his career. But uh, I thought it was just, uh, uh, you know, they 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 said that you know trying to communicate 
because of the tube that he had that he was having to write down and, and, and communicate that when he wanted to know whether or not his team won that game. Mm-hmm. And their response to him, boy, somebody was cutting onions in my house. You know, they said, uh, yeah, DeMar, you won. You won at the game of life or, or you know, uh, kind of par- paraphrasing uh, that there. So uh, really, really, uh, you know, kudos all the right way around to, you know, the medical staff on the field and the assistant trainer and, and, and them giving him the CPR and, you know, uh, how he was treated once he got to the hospital. I mean, all, I th- obviously all that played a factor there, but uh, uh, this thing was looking very, very grim for a little bit there, right? You know, the uh, on Monday night there and obviously the first 12, 24 hours or what have you. And uh, I think it was really, really great news about him, obviously, on, on, on Thursday there. And so hopefully there'll be more of that to come. And as far as the league goes and the decision, you know, we didn't want to speculate too much about what what may or may not happen on that last show, other than the fact that I, I, I was just resigned to the fact, and maybe it's, you know, me being a little naive there, but I was resigned to the fact that they would they would do the right thing here. And looking at it now, I mean, is it perfect? It, it was never going to be perfect. Uh, sure. but, but I think obviously the, the decision to not resume that game, uh, I think was the right call. And then, you know, the, the, the options or the scenarios that they've laid out for the owners to vote on today, uh, that they got together with the comp- competition committee and all on that. I mean, once again, I mean, there's, there's no perfect way to do this. However, I think it's the next best. I think it's the best scenario out. It's, it's better than anything I could have dreamed up. And look, I, I, I don't, I, the whole eight added the extra, extra team. I don't, I don't think they should have went that way. And mm-hmm. yeah, that would have helped the Steelers, you know, immensely had they done that. But I, I don't think you change how many teams get in uh, because of what happened there. I think you just manipulate kind of what they did. Uh, with, 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 you know, the home, you know, AFC chair, because there, there obviously are scenarios here where maybe none of that will come into play there, you know, uh, with the coin flips and, and all like that. And, and, uh, but I, I think they did it the right, the best way possible. Uh, and, and that's the way I'll leave that. Yeah, it's it's funny since we were just talking about it before, uh, just before 10 a.m. here that uh, quoting the shams that the breathing tube, as you mentioned, uh, is is out of Demar Hamlin. He's now breathing fully on his own, which is just, you know, remarkable progress he's made here in such a, a short time span. So that is, again, the, the most important news remains our focus. But for the NFL side of things, you know, I think they've handled it generally really well. I think canceling the game, deciding not to make up the, the Bengals Bills game is unequivocally the right decision, trying to somehow fit this game into the schedule that would have created so much disruption. There really was no appetite for, I think the bills or Bengals to, to finish that game out. I personally would have just made it a bit more simple when it comes to the playoff seating and just say, go by win percentage, see the teams by win percentage. And, and that's how you do that essentially and, and play the rest of the thing like normal, regardless of neutral sites and coin flips, get rid of all that. But I think generally speaking, the league has tried to make this as, fair and equitable as possible not going to be 100 percent. Bengals fans have some gripes and and that's fine but you're they're both in the playoffs you deal with it and um you know i think the nfl has generally gotten it right and then look you know i hate to turn this back and and say uh let, let's look at how all this impacts the Steelers. first and foremost the Steelers have got to get in 
get in and it begins with them winning on Friday on Sunday against the Browns there. But second, you know, I, I know a lot of people are probably concerned with the, the way the schedule already was with the chiefs playing on, on, on Saturday. Uh, if, if the chiefs beat the Raiders, how, how would that impact had, you know, had things gone normal on Monday night, and let, let's say the bills would have won that game, yada, yada. Uh, how, how would that have impacted how the bills played on Sunday against the Patriots, uh, based on what the chargers did on, on, on Saturday versus Raiders? Well, as a result of the way this is laid out now, it really does, at least on the surface, appear like win, lose, or draw uh, by the uh, by the Chiefs on Saturday that the Bills still have a lot to play for. A, if the Chiefs lose lose on 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 Saturday, uh, that gives you a lot of a lot of motivation to play at at at, at that point to get the number one seed a home field advantage. Uh, number right. two. If the Chiefs win their game, then if the Bills win their game against the Patriots, they prevent having to go to KC to play in the AFC Championship, assuming both teams got that far there. So, you know, uh, and uh, you're 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 basically guaranteeing your uh, yourself a neutral field spot in the AFC Championship game, which would be the next best thing to have a home field advantage. Uh, uh, in that game there. So, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, that uh, it, it certainly does sound like the Bills, regardless of what happens with the Chiefs on Saturday, will have a lot to play for on Sunday against the Patriots. And prior to these this manipulation of the playoff schedule, I don't think it was as cut and dry as that. Correct. I think the Bills have a bit more to play for now. My feeling was, and I didn't consider it too much, obviously, but I felt like the Bills, regardless, would have probably been playing their starters in Week 17, even if, let's say, none of this happened and 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 the Bengals-Bills game, you know, played on, and who knows how that one would have turned out. But even if the Chiefs would have won on Saturday and the Bills, you know, did could not get the one seed, they still wanted to have would want to have the two seed and make sure that they were, were going to have a home game for, you know, the, the wildcard game and the divisional game. Um, and, and just, just make sure that's all secured and locked in. So I don't know if it changes their calculation too terribly much. Um, but, but yeah, I think, you know, there's a little extra to play for. We would expect the bills to play their starters and, and not bench guys. And that's, that's a good thing for the Pittsburgh Steelers who again need the Patriots to not win this game. And I guess once again, too, what, what, uh, uh, if the Bengals lost, regardless of what happens to the Chiefs, if uh, if if the Bills lost to the Patriots and 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 the Bengals beat the Ravens, they they could lose the number two seed, right? Buffalo could, right? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Right. So I think you know, regardless of trying to reverse engineer this whole thing, I don't think the Bills' calculation changed much, but I think this kind of cements an extra incentive for them to to play their starters, and I think. You know, even if this hadn't come up, I think Buffalo's going to play the starters regardless and kind of a do it for DeMar Hamlin sense of it all. Um, and so whenever they spoke at their press conference yesterday, the Bills did with Sean McDermott and Josh Allen, even before the NFL made this announcement about all these uh, proposals and likely changes, there was no indication in my mind that they were going to rest their starters in this game. All right. So really, uh, and, and obviously, <laughs> what the hell's going to happen in that Jets-Dolphins game? Uh, you know, they, Mike, I think uh, Mike 
what Mike, what's his last name? Mike White, Mike White. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, was, showed up on the injury report and didn't do a media session yesterday. So that kind of calls his uh, ability into question. Uh, uh, that other quarterback that played in the game against the Jaguars is on the practice squad. And I, I guess there's nothing that says they couldn't elevate him and start him. And then there's Joe Flacco. And then, oh, yeah, there's some kid over there named Zach Wilson, too. Uh, 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 over there. So who knows the, w- w- which way that's going to go. And then there's a lot of questions on the other side of what's going to happen at quarterback with the dolphins there. So, mm-hmm. uh, in an interesting, uh, weekend, uh, ahead when it more so when it comes to that dolphins versus jets game, uh, then, then, then really the bills versus the Patriots game. Yeah, I think in terms of things that you would have confidence in, there are no guarantees in the NFL, and the Patriots are fighting for their playoff lives, so they have every reason to to play as hard as possible in this game. But you would expect the Bills to beat the Patriots. What do you expect more, the Steelers to beat the Browns or the Jets to beat the Dolphins? Because this Jets game is shaping up right now. We don't know for sure, but it's shaping up towards Joe Flacco versus Skylar Thompson. Yeah, look, this this is a team that the Steelers – have had trouble with in the Browns that can run the football and, you know, you obviously got Deshaun Watson and they got some, uh, some receivers over there. And I'm, I, I guess long story short, I, I, I like the chances of, of the jets beating the dolphins more so right now than the Steelers beating the Browns, I guess it just by a little bit, but, but mm-hmm. that's the way I would lean. Yeah, I think this it, it's just hard to project that Jets Dolphins game right now. And even if even if we know the quarterbacks are, it's just such a grab bag of what what kind of quarterback are you going to get on that particular day? I said Thompson did okay in relief of Bridgewater in that Patriots game. That pick was a little bit little bit more on Tyree Kill, I think, than it was on Skylar Thompson. And you know, I, if for the Jets, if it's not Mike White, I, I hope it's Flacco. I hope it's not Zach Wilson because you know I don't trust Zach Wilson to uh, lead the Jets to victory. I could see uh, Joe Flacco having that kind of last hurrah Charlie Batch moment, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, because sure. let's face it, uh, Flacco's not long, uh, not long, right? For, for He, uh, he might even retire after this season. What a way it would be to go out for him to get a win against the Dolphins, you know, as, as a starter and knocking them out of the playoffs and having a hug on the side with, I don't know who he would hug over there. Uh, I guess <laughs> Robert Sala or something. Probably, probably not going to be hugging uh, Zach Wilson or anything. But yeah, you know that 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 kind of scenario has played in my head about kind of a walk off key win for Joe Flacco. Yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. Hopefully today will provide some more clarity. Teddy Bridgewater for the Dolphins is trying to get ready and play in that game with a broken finger. I don't know how that's going to work, but they're they're still trying. And with the Jets, Mike White has not been ruled out, and so there are. There was just drama on top of drama, uncertainty on top of uncertainty as we head into the finish line, which is just, you know, peak NFL. All right. How about uh, that, that, that other team in Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Steelers? Let's, uh, yeah, we should talk cover, about them, I we guess. We should probably uh, talk about them, guys. All right. Let's talk about the injury report here that was released on Thursday. The Pittsburgh Steelers' final injury report will come out on Friday. Not practicing for the Steelers yesterday included just a couple of names here. Arthur Millette with an illness. Mika Fitzpatrick still with that ankle. Miles Jack with the groin. Kim Hayward was rested. And Larry Ogunjobi with a toe. With uh, Ogunjobi, that's been standard procedure there. Uh, Millette, you would assume, is going to be okay. Fitzpatrick's just getting the rest. That's really not a surprise or cause for concern. I guess Miles Jack is the, the name to really watch here. But again, some of that's probably management that's become pretty typical for him the back half of the season 
Yeah, I would think at this point, and 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 uh, at least Norwood's moving in the right direction with his hamstring, but uh, it was I think it was only limited with him, right? So uh, mm-hmm. I, I think it comes down to kind of the way we talked the other day. Uh, the, the two biggest names to watch uh, this week would be uh, Trey Norwood and Miles Jack. So we'll see what the Friday injury report says. Uh, I'm guessing. I, I'm I'm going to guess it's going to end up with. Uh, I'll guess that Norwood will be out. Okay. Uh, and I'll guess uh, Jack questionable, and I'll guess Minka questionable, and then maybe Minka upgraded on Saturday, kind kind, kind of thing. But uh, I would I, th- those three names stick out the most when you look at this injury report here. Yeah, I'm basically with you. Norwood, if I had to guess, it's not going to go. Uh, Fitzpatrick, I'm pretty sure will play in this game. Jack, I think will play in this game. Will he make it to the end of the game? Who the heck knows at this point? Um, I think you're right. Fitzpatrick probably gets the old. We've been upgraded. Or he's upgraded on the injury report. No longer has a game sense. I hate those things on Saturday. I, know. I just just make it on Friday. You know, right. I was just trying to sit there on a Saturday, just chill, and then I get this <laughs> news coming along, and I got to write this up. Um, one one uh, other name we should note here. James Pierce has been full all week with that concussion. Um, good, good and point. so that was, that was a good sign on Wednesday. Um, I don't know for sure if he's, ex- if he's exited protocol yet, but we assume he probably will get clearance. Um, should note, by the way, that also William Jackson, the third has been designated to return to practice. And so he's back for the finale, I guess. And Akella Witherspoon has been, been back for a couple weeks practicing. So we'll see if any moves get made there, but with Pierre uh, seemingly being healthy and playing in this game, uh, Witherspoon and Jackson may may remain on injured reserve. Yeah, Mil- Milkahoo. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, people forget that they actually traded for him. And it's like that old movie, like you take the long drag of the cigarette. Uh, there's a name I haven't heard in a, in a long time. <laughs> That's William Jackson. Right? Uh, no, no way he gets activated. No. Uh, Dude hasn't uh, played since week five. Like if yeah. anyone's going to get act- if anyone gets activated, it's going to be a Kella. Yeah, uh, I I would be mighty 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 surprised if he gets activated uh over the weekend there it's more of a and then i guess the question would be well well, well why do this with him well the, the whole thing is you never know you might need need him come you know somehow get in the playoffs and you know make a run with this thing at least you have him working and trying to get his way back yeah this is the hey we paid you 2.7 million dollars go out there and practice for a right. couple of days make us feel like we're doing something here um even though it's very unlikely he's going to get activated and if this team does not make the playoffs and obviously i can't see him coming back really under any circumstances certainly not as you know current contract projection but even under a pay card or some sort of giant rework just cut your talk cut your losses and and, and move on and, you know, at this point it would have to be kind of a minimum salary guy i think you know that's a and, steep ball from the what the 12 million he's projected to get right and all that would have to get done before the march roster bonus what was due so you know kind of a justin gilbert kind of thing right just just cut your losses and move on yeah so for cleveland i know we'll talk about it some with scott here but i think the names to watch there are what jack conklin the right tackle and denzel ward their top corner yeah it sounds like it uh uh, when it comes to there and and uh be interested to see (laughs) If the Jadavian uh, clowny groin tightens up, uh, uh, oh, coach, I don't know. My groin's got a little bit tight today. Uh, I, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to go uh, today. I I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, uh, let's let's just put it to you that way. 
Or it could be Kevin Zafancy saying, hey, Jadavian, you, you look a bit injured. I think you should uh, sit this one out yeah. because of the comments that he made to uh, to Mary Kay the other yesterday, basically, you know, expressing a, a lot of unhappiness with the organization, saying they're not using me well. Miles Garrett is, is, gets too much favoritism. Sure, that's not going to sit well with Kevin Stefanski. So at this point, I, I'd almost be surprised if Clowney did play in a finale that really means nothing to the Browns. Yeah, look, and 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 we talked a little bit about this with Scott as well too. It Friday's Friday and rest. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with him based on those comments that he made. Yeah, he might get the DNP coach's choice on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, now the Browns can play spoilers, so they have that to mean to them. But obviously, they've been eliminated from the playoffs, and and Clowney's going to you know not going to be back next year. So. We will see. Let's slip over now to the coordinator corner as Matt Canada and Terrell Austin. Did Matt Canada speak with reporters for the last time? That's one question to uh, to ponder. But Matt Canada in Matt Canada fashion talking about the Steelers offense says we've got to score touchdowns. So oh, there, is, there is the analysis. Wait, Hope you guys where, are sitting what? there. What do you say? <laughs> we've got to score touchdowns. If you were not aware, uh, Pittsburgh's got to put up more points. Yeah, we got to score more points. How many times have we heard that this year? And if there's, uh, uh, it, we we talked the other day that that the best way to describe what what this team's been doing offensively is they've mastered a below average offense. And that look, uh, and here's the thing that points out the most, man. When you when you go through this thing, the defense, man. You know, since the since the bye week, uh, only two other other teams in the NFL have had more points scored against them in the final eight games. All right. So, I mean, that, that's how good this defense is. Now within that, you look back and say, uh, okay, uh, you know, the, the Ravens game, uh, the, you know, the first Ravens game, they still didn't do enough in that, in, in that game. But for the most part, I mean, there's only been what uh, one game in the second half of this season where they've given up more than, uh, I think 17 points in the game, and that was against the Bengals, right? You know, so right. uh, the the offense is really the reason this team has been able to go on the on 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 a six and two run in the second, you know, since the bye week is because of their defense. There's no no two ways about it. Now within that, those those drives late. I mean, you can't. I mean, you got to give Kenny Kenny Pickett and the offense some credit here for for pulling out these games late, but. They are in that situation that they're in because the offense is not scoring enough points in the early portions of the game, and and the defense is doing all they can to keep them in it. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, this this team, this offense, still needs to score points, especially when they get down there in the red zone. And you know, they did have the four uh, 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 the four explosive plays against the Ravens. That was good to see that. Uh, but we need to see them be able to to to, to produce the more exposed plays they have been doing a good job of putting these longer drives together, but how sustainable is that on a week to week basis of having the 10 or 12 play drives, especially when they don't end in touchdowns, you know, uh, if sure. you want one thing, if you're having these things and, Oh man, look at this. They're putting say, you know, 10, 12 play drives together and they're putting it in the end zone on top of it. What a backbreaker that is for the opposing team. But they're not doing that. And it, it, to make matters worse, they're missing a couple of field goals in this on top of it. So, yeah, uh, we got to score more points, Matt. That's a long way of me saying we got to <laughs> score more points, Matt. 
Just a brief interruption here. I'm reading this from Ian Rappaport right now. DeMar Hamlin is reportedly addressing the team via FaceTime. He's talking to the entire uh, Bills wow, team right now, which is, is which is fantastic news there. So just wanted to pass that word along. But yeah, to go back to to Matt Canada, I think, you know, obviously the the key to Pittsburgh's success to be six and two since the bye has been multifold, have an identity offensively, run the ball more effectively, more efficiently, take care of the football. That's probably number one, convert on third down to sustain those drives, even if they're not putting the ball in the end zone at the clip this team needs to, and then defensively just keep the score down, play better run defense, take the football away. Certainly been led by, you know, you've been one game because your defense has been keeping that score down, but offensively the the positive signs are this team has found an identity, found a, a rhythm, a game plan, a way to, to blueprint to, to win or at least be able to compete. And certainly they've taken care of the football and that's been probably their biggest turnaround since the first half of the season. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I kind of hit quickly on that yesterday during, during my terrible take is at least they have some sort of an identity now uh, on offense. And that's, we, we're going to try to run the football on you. We're going to try to stay in third. We're, we're going to get in third and manageable situations, not only get in those third and manageable situations, we're going to convert those as well too. That's an identity, right? You know, mm-hmm. th- uh, 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 that kind of stuff there. Uh, we're, we're, you know, we're, uh, we, our identity is we can, if we do keep it close, we have confidence that our quarterback can drive down the field, uh, for, for that, for that final score, at least in these last couple of games there. So, uh, has it been perfect? Absolutely not. And once again, uh, it's, it's like a rich cracker that we're eating right now, but, but there's a lot better crackers out there on the market, uh, right now. And those crackers would look like putting, Putting more points on the end, uh, on, on the scoreboard at this point. So we, we got to get a sponsorship with Ritz yeah. with as yeah, many really shout should. outs as we as we Ritz, get. Ritz is a damn good cracker, though. By the way, it is. But, are but we sponsored now? Do we just get a sponsorship? I, I feel like we just know. secured one in eight seconds. Uh, who is that now? That that's Nabisco, isn't it? I think so. I don't know. My, my I, had, I had a buddy back uh, back uh, years ago that. Uh, when I was uh, uh, in the, in the coffee business and all like that, uh, he worked for uh, for Nabisco and was uh, uh, kind of uh, started off on a route, went on up to uh, kind of regional manager type things, and uh, he was never you know obviously that comes with 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 perks of always always having Nabisco products, so uh, uh, those got passed across the street quite a few times. Wow, big perk of unlimited Ritz crackers. I like yeah. it. Well, um, you know but- they also do. Uh, you know, the Keebler elves, you know, all, all those cookies mm. and all like that. So it, it just wasn't uh, uh, the Ritz crackers okay. kind of things there. All right. I found my next job, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I, again, I just to harp on the point a bit. If more. you have to get into selling crackers for a living, you, we, <laughs> we've done something terribly wrong. <laughs> That's also a fair point. Yeah, please. I don't want to do that. Uh, door-to-door cracker salesman may not be my calling. Uh, but yeah, to go back to the turnovers, this team since the buys turned the ball over four times the, the whole eight games. That was three of them came against Baltimore and they lost that game. Um, so th- there's your blueprint. A very simple, very simplistic. Don't have to overthink it. Take care of the football, play good defense. This team wins games when those things occur. Right. Absolutely. I mean, look uh, how we laid the blueprint out at, at the beginning of the season. I hate to keep going back to that, but uh, if this team was going to win games in 2022, it was going to be play good defense. It was going to be uh, run the football and you know maybe, maybe pull out a win or two late. 
Matt Canada also, I think this team finally admitting that, yeah, Najee Harris really wasn't that healthy before the bye. And that's kind of the reason why he, you know, struggled so much. Not the only reason this offensive line has been better and this team has formed that identity and things like that. But uh, Matt Canada saying, quote, Naj has gotten healthy and the way he's running the football now is a drastic difference from the way it was early on. That's starting with a line. It's not just Naj, but I think you see that. I think uh, Canada later said, uh, about Harris, quote, he's hitting the hole, he's seeing the hole. I do think there was a little bit of his health. He would say that to us, and he's a tough guy that was playing. So I know so much the first, you know, eight weeks of the year, this team said, oh, Harris is fine, he's good, stop asking about that. We all knew he was not 100%, and now you see him at 100%, and, and the difference, as Canada said, is night and day. Right. Uh, why didn't you show up on the injury report? Well, they don't like, they're not going to like you. They're not going to give you access to these injury reports, Dave. You're going to get these guys in trouble. Yeah. Like, like, uh, like, like, like uh, we're in good standings with, with, with the Steelers yeah. uh, media side <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, I guess it was one of those things where he wasn't missing time, I suppose. So if he doesn't miss time, then I guess in okay. maybe a sense you can argue that, but we knew that, you know, he was impacted and he was never maybe fully past that foot injury. Um, and he certainly looks a whole lot better since the bye. Look, they uh, they 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 have it going on right now as far as the running back rotation goes, and uh, you know you're not going to wear him down. That and he's he needs what forty six, forty eight, forty four yards, something like that, uh, to hit a thousand yard season. And and obviously a thousand yard season ain't what it used to be uh, uh, years ago with all these games and all like that. But uh, uh, the way this thing was trending for him first half of the season for him to get to a, a, a thousand yards rushing at this point would be a pretty big accomplishment. I think, I mean, look, I, I think if you go back uh, even the last uh, since the bye week his yards after contact, he's up, uh, uh, he's up there among the league league leaders in yards after contact, contact at the running back position uh since the bye week so that you know that's something that's uh uh obviously a positive to look at in the final they're gonna have to run the football in this game you know against the against the browns to have you know to be able to to uh to win it as well too so uh, i think we're gonna see a heavy dose of uh of of of, of naji and jalen warren in this game hundred percent, even a stronger commitment, like Carolina type commitment to the run game. I think is what you're going to see. The Browns front seven is not played well. They have injuries, especially to their off ball linebackers. And so I think you're going to see a lot of 22 and 30 in this game. Okay. Anything else from Matt Canada? I think those were kind of the big things that, uh, that he addressed. Nobody, nobody did ask him the, uh, you coming back next year. How do you feel about <laughs> that? But I understand that's a, a difficult question to ask. Right. All right, let's flip over to Terrell Austin. And Dave, you told me to bring a, a checkered flag today. Right. So I guess I, I have a metaphorical one. Um, and again, yeah, so some fans are upset here, and I understand why. But Terrell Austin saying that, listen, Devin Bush probably going to play more against the Browns. Mark mm. Robinson probably going to play less. And those are things that we discussed and basically outlined on Wednesday. Hmm. And we bring checkered flags because they go to the winners, right? Uh, and. <laughs> Uh, you really, really won this one, uh, which is not surprising. Now, lay out once again uh, why things were the, where they were in Baltimore and why they're likely to be different on Sunday against the Browns. Yeah, essentially what happened was against Baltimore, Pittsburgh used their 4-4 defense, specialty package to combat the Ravens' one receiver set. So whenever the Ravens would go super heavy with, you know, 
two fullbacks or two running backs and two tight ends, you know, 22 personnel, 13 personnel, all their big people. Pittsburgh would match that by bringing in DeMarvin Leal, by bringing in Mark Robinson. And the Browns aren't typically quite that heavy. They're, of course, a run-minded team, and they can bring in different people, but they're generally a two-receiver set kind of team. And so you're not going to run your 4-4 defense because that 4-4 only put one cornerback on the field. So you're facing two receivers. 98% of the time, you're going to have uh, two cornerbacks out there. So that's going to you know mean more, more base, more nickel, um, those types of things. And so Devin Bush is going to play because Robinson was really only being used in that specialty, ultra-heavy personnel package. But we'll still see a little bit of Robinson in this game, you would think, right? Probably. Again, it it depends on what the Browns do. Often, you know, offensive personnel dictates what your defense does. If the Browns hypothetically played this game in 11 personnel, you probably wouldn't see a snap in Mark Robinson. Now, I expect them to have multiple tight end sets and they bring in some big people, six offensive linemen. Um, and I think Robinson has earned maybe a look to play in base, but I would not expect him to play the 26 snaps he did against Baltimore. I think he may get a handful of snaps and Devin Bush um, should have a larger role in this game. And look, this is, I mean, he, Austin basically has said everything that, 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 that we kind of expected him to say. And, and even when it comes to uh, the evaluation of Mark Robinson, Mark Robinson wants to make all the tackles, right? And mm-hmm. uh, he wants to hit people. There's nothing absolutely wrong with that. But within that, they're still dealing in, in Austin in so many words. So you're still dealing with a guy that's got got some development to do here. The, uh, learning the scheme, learning position and all like that. And, and, and you know, he said the, you know, what, what happened in Baltimore was, was pretty specific with what they wanted him to do. Uh, in the same breath, none of this is a I, – I, I'm not taking any of, of what's what what could potentially happen on Sunday against the Browns as a negative when it comes to Mark Robinson. If anything, everybody should be feeling very, very good about what's happening have happened to Mark Robinson these last several weeks here. But within that, let's not lose sight of the fact that schematically, uh, position wise, his experience and all like that, he's still a de- young developing player that's that the more you put him out there, he's probably more prone to make mistakes. It could get you, you know, beat for some big gainers here. Yeah. And uh, sorry, I'm just, we're getting some news here uh, for Steelers relevant playoff situation. Joe Flacco will start this weekend against the Dolphins. Mike White is out. And that's according to Connor Hughes, a beat writer who covers the Jets. So Zach Wilson will be the backup. Joe Flacco will start against the Dolphins. No Mike White. And we'll see who Miami starts uh, to counter that. Wow. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I, I think that really helps Steelers' chances. Yeah, better than Zach Wilson, for sure. Yeah, so, interesting. So there you go there. Uh, Joe Flacco, as you said, that one last potential ride, uh, as we're both, I think, tweeting about the news right now. Steelers, I'm literally tweeting, Steelers playoff hopes uh, now reside in Joe Flacco's hands. It's so. a small world, but I wouldn't want to paint it. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but okay. It's an old-timey saying. Uh, but yeah, it is. It is funny. Uh, the former Raven, who's had so many battles against Pittsburgh, and now Steelers fans will be rooting for Joe Flacco. And, and that, that's what I mean. It's kind of kind of funny how things kind of circle all the way back here, right? Yeah, Fly yeah, it is pretty, pretty crazy there. So we shall see who the Dolphins start. Should be either Skylar Thompson or Teddy Bridgewater. Anyway, but yeah, to get back to Mark Robinson, um, again, excited about where he's been, excited about his development for next year, but just understanding that. His role so far has been 
pretty specialized and trying to be tailored to his strengths and and what he does best and what Devin Bush struggles with more. And again, you know, could you see Robinson some in this game? Sure, but you'll see a lot more Devin Bush and a lot less Mark Robinson. And that's kind of the main takeaway to have. Uh, well, good, good on good on you for uh, pointing all that out with a you know personnel group. So I think our own uh, Owen uh, Straley did a nice kind of film room to to even kind of further examine that, right? Yeah, he did a good breakdown on some of the different wrinkles schematically Pittsburgh had, primarily uh, meeting their 4-4 defense. So uh, from Terrell Austin, he talked about uh, praising Sutton, praising Levi Wallace or being just consistent and guys who show up and don't make mistakes and and, and those types of things. Cam Sutton has had a really good year. Just have to really say has. that a lot. There was a, a PFF metric and, you know, the grades I don't care about much. The stats I care about a bit a bit more and uh, the metrics showed, showed that Sutton has been really strong and kind of in quote unquote lockdown status with some of the top corners in football. So that's been good for him professionally. And I assume financially, whenever he gets paid by whoever Pittsburgh or otherwise, he'll get paid a pretty penny. Uh, once again, it did, you know, what was the number that was thrown out there around 13 million? And that was and, your number 13. Right. Yeah. And you thought maybe that'd be a little bit high. And I might be, I might be my words on that one. So I think we both have our checkered flags today. Cause I think you might be right on Sutton. It's just, I mean, he's, I, it just, just you a lot can't of money. let him go. You can't. Right no, there. I think he's you got, you got to resign him, right? He's top priority for sure. Um, I, I just go back to the, the thought exercise of you're going to pay a guy 13 million. And do you believe he's the number one cornerback on your team that can defend Jamar Chase twice a year for the next five years? Yeah, good point. But I mean, um, that, that, they can't let to, to me at this point because of what's what, because if you don't resign him, who, who you got to go out and get somebody. You know, yeah, no, and and, and, who, and you who might have to go person? back, and go out and get somebody anyway. You know, right? On, no, on, I on mean, top of it, again, I'm in camp. Resign Cam Sutton. I think he's good just as a, as a leader. His versatility. I mean, he does everything for this this team. He can do everything for this team. Uh, it's not a guy that I want to let go. Pittsburgh can't afford that. Money's not going to be an issue where they can't afford it, or it's going to cap strap them so much that it's not practical to do so there's really no good reason to let cam sutton go unless he just wants but my thought with if you're cam sutton you sit there and say cornerbacks on the market get paid let me test that market and you know let me just see what other teams could offer uh i make it where they make they have to make it worth my while not to at least see what's out there and look he'll get it you know with the whole tampering period Mm -hmm. they they know what his work's going to be uh, uh, several weeks before uh, the start of the new league year in March. Yeah, but I mean, if you're Sutton, you're kind of waiting and getting closer to that tampering period to kind of start at least getting a feel for what might I get if I were to test the market or can I leverage that to drive my price up in Pittsburgh? So I don't know if a deal is going to get done quickly because Canada or because uh, Sutton may want to wait and just kind of see what that market feels like. True or false, they will get a deal done with Cam Sutton, uh, a new deal done with Cam Sutton uh, before the start of the new league, before free agency officially gets underway. True. True. I'm with you. They'll get it done. They'll find a way to get it done. Uh, uh, let's tag on to that uh, real quick and, and put something in the books here. Uh, Akella Witherspoon, uh, do you carry him at least through <laughs> uh, final cut down decision? Or is he a guy that before the start of the new league year, you just, you just let, let go. Mm. That's a tough one, isn't it? Cause it really, yeah. he's not, he's not killing, not killing you. you. 
But I'd probably the- carry him just because they're they're really. I mean, you can free up that space, but you're going to free up space in other other ways probably, and you can you have him in there for insurance protection. Um, there really isn't a big driving reason to cut the guy, you know, in March. Okay, I'm going to go. Do? I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to think that they just go ahead and let him get out of there. They could. It wouldn't. It wouldn't shock me, and there's certainly good reasons for it. Um, but I. But I'm, I'll, I'll guess. I, I'm, give, I'm giving. Around. I'm giving that. I'm, I'm clearing that money out to give some of it to uh, to uh, to Sutton there. I, uh, I. You know, and I. I. Since day one, I've kind of think that. I've kind of thought that Witherspoon's been kind of overrated there, but. Uh, he's not killing them, so it, it it is plausible that they do carry him past the start of you know uh, start a new league year, and he ends up getting cut by week one. You know, I, I th- there is that possibility. Yeah, so we uh, we'll talk about that down the line. Anything else from Austin or or Matt Canada? I think that uh, I think yeah, I, th- the I think things. we got most of it there. Yeah. All right, Dave, let's take a pause here and come back with our friend uh, Scott Petrak, who writes for the Chronicle Telegram, uh, Medina Gazette, and you can catch him over at brownzone.com. We'll get his perspective. You should follow him on Twitter, by the way. Didn't mention that. Uh, Follow Scott on Twitter, Scott Petrak. That's P-E-T-R-A-K. We'll take a pause and come back with Scott. And welcome back to the Terrible Podcast. It is Friday. It is week 18 of the NFL regular season. It is Steelers hosting the Cleveland Browns at Acrisure Stadium on Sunday. Uh, that means we have back with us once again. He's become quite the regular uh, on the show uh, covering the Cleveland Browns for the Chronicle, Telegram, and the Medina Gazette. Uh, he writes, you can find all of his work at brownszone.com. We know most of you have been over there. If, if not already, make sure you do get over there and get caught up on everything Browns this week. We are, of course, talking about Scott Petrak. Scott, uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Scott Petrak. That's S-C-O-T-T-P-E-T-R-A-K. He's an avid, avid golfer as well, too. I bet he's not doing that right now. But uh, with that, uh, Scott, welcome back to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex. Thanks. How you guys doing? Doing good. Doing good. Uh, uh, big game, obviously, coming up for, for, for one side here, at least. Well, really, both sides, because it's the Browns Super Bowl, it seems, uh, 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 right now here. And they could, obviously, I think if they win this game, uh, they would be tied record-wise with the Steelers. But I think because of the sweep uh, of the series that way, they would actually technically finish ahead of the Browns. So kind of what's the thought this week, uh, Scott, you know, going into this week? It, it, you know, are they indeed treating this like there's like there's Super Bowl and, and what's kind of the, the mood around uh, uh, Brea there? Yeah, I mean, I don't get it. I don't think it's that strong, you know, treating it like a Super Bowl. I do think the Browns think it think the situation the Steelers are in provides meaning to this game, right? Which otherwise would be, quote unquote, meaningless for the Browns, <laughs> right. given that they're out of the playoffs. You know, and the Browns do have stuff to play for, and a lot of it's related to the Steelers. Knock them out of the playoffs. And you guys are losing season um, for the first time under Mike Tomlin. The Browns can finish 8-9, and nine, which would match the record from a year ago. You know, and I don't know how much that means to them. But finish, go 4-2 and two with Deshaun Watson as a starting quarterback since he came back with suspension. And then there's a bunch of individual, like, statistical items. So I do think – the fact that they can knock the Steelers out of the playoffs um, certainly adds some motivation for the Browns. Um, 
but I still think the Steelers have, have more than the Browns do. Uh, when you look back at the season here, and this guy, obviously it will be quite a while before we talk to you again, probably around the draft, hopefully, and all like that. But what's, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the season, obviously, uh, with Deshaun Watson missing half of it there, what's been kind of your 30,000 foot view from where you were in week one or back when we talked to you about week three ahead of this, uh, you know, ahead of Steelers yeah. Browns, where, where are you now, uh, now, now that the season's winding down on the Browns? Yeah, it, it's, you know, the season, you know how it is when you get in the middle of the season, you're here every day. Um, you kind of get caught up in the minutia a little bit. I, I do think when you take a step back, it's, well, they're going to have the same record or one game away um, than they did a year ago. They had a lot of, you know, tumult to deal with with the Watson suspension. They brought it upon themselves, obviously, but that was a big part of the season. But their backup quarterback, Jacoby Brissett, played pretty well for the first 11 games, and the Browns could only go four and seven. And that's the story of this season is the defense wasn't good enough early. Uh, the special teams weren't good enough early and the offense was better than expected. And Brissett was better than expected and they still couldn't put those wins together. And, I, and that's, what's really frustrating and angering this fan base is that there were missed chances. And all you have to do is look at week two against the jets when they blew a 13 point lead in the last two minutes. And when we look at this playoff race, you know, I thought you'd need 10 wins to get in the playoffs and you're going to need nine, right? It looks right. like you need nine to get in. So, um, there's plenty of games you can point to where the Browns led in the fourth quarter and didn't finish it off. And so I, I think that's it, you know, and then the second half of that is, well, Deshaun Watson's here now, you know, he's playing better. Will he be the same guy in 2023 and will he be worth everything the Browns give up to get him? Uh, before I turn it over to Alex for, for a handful here, what are your thoughts on, on Deshaun Watson after this handful of games? Yeah, you know, he hasn't played at that elite level, right, that they need him to play if you're going to match, keep up with, you know, the Burroughs and the Mahomes and the Allens of the world, the Herberts. Um, He hasn't played there, but there certainly are flashes that suggest he will return to that level because I think he did play at that level uh, before, you know, almost two years away from football. So, um, you know, my problems with the trade for him were always off the field things. On the field, it made sense to me. Because uh, you think he's an elite quarterback, you know, draft picks or draft picks, but you, you know, the franchise quarterback is hard to come by. So I understand why they did it from a football perspective. Now, you know, he's still got to prove that he can be that guy again. And to me, he's shown athletically he can, right? He still throws the ball great. He still runs it when he needs to run it and runs it well. He's got dual threat that they're looking for. Um, the, the only question in my mind is can he put all the, off the field stuff away, right? Can he, not only does it not crop up again, but can he handle it mentally? Because that's a lot. And, right. you know, obviously he brought it on himself, but, you know, can you have to get over that hurdle? I, I think that's a significant question. And it looks like he's going to get there and it looks like he's playing better. And when he talks to us, you don't see, um, you know, him like carrying around this huge baggage. But I, I still think that remains a question because this team will not get anywhere close to where it wants to go if he doesn't play like a top, whatever, five or seven quarterback. 
Scott, looking towards the Browns offseason, offensively, what areas are they going to focus on the most? Do they have a number three receiver on this team, but behind Cooper, behind Donovan Peoples-Jones, is David Bell, uh, Anthony Schwartz, are those guys, are they going to look to bring in another weapon for Deshaun Watson this offseason? I certainly think that is priority number one on offense. You know, they re-signed Jack Conklin. They gave him an extension. Um, so he'll be here at right tackle. To me, that was a question mark. They got to figure out center. Ethan Postick, who's played really well this year, kind of forced into that starting center job. Um, he was on a one-year contract. I expect him to re-sign him. If not, they have Nick Harris, but he missed all year um, with a knee injury suffered in the preseason opener. You know, and hasn't really played much. So I think Postick makes more sense there. But um, regardless, they have the other four guys coming back on the offensive line. So, yeah, I think it's that number three receiver spot. Um, you know, Donovan Fields-Jones probably has established himself as a number two this year. I think he's had a he's had a strong season. It hasn't been perfect. A couple of drops lately in big moments. Um, and drops might be too strong, but a couple of plays where he didn't bring it down in the end zone against the Bengals and against um, I'm blanking on this and against uh, um, the Saints in that cold Christmas Eve mm-hmm. game. Um, but you know, overall he's played well. I think he's got career high numbers. So. Whether he's a two slash three and you need to find another two slash three, um, I certainly think that that's where the Browns need to go. And I think it needs to be a speed guy. Now, the disappointing thing is that's what they thought Anthony Schwartz was going to be right. when they drafted right. him in the third round in 2021. And he just hasn't lived up to that. He's dealt with injuries this year. Um, you know, and I don't think they're going to cut him, but I don't think you can go into next season counting on him to be that guy. I think David Bell, you know, he's sure handed, he runs good routes, but he's limited. He's slow. So mm-hmm. I do think you need that speed guy. Um, so that would be my number one priority on offense. And maybe you upgrade a tight end, you know, not, you know, you have David Njoku who's your number one guy. Um, and not that Harrison Bryant's been bad, but if you really want to surround Deshaun Watson, maybe you go get, um, try to find another number two tight end. Wanted to ask you about a recent story. Jadavian Clowney speaking yesterday and seems very unhappy with his position in, in Cleveland right now, saying he wants to go to a team who believes in him. Uh, There's always kind of been maybe this weird relationship there, some one-year deals back and forth with, with Clowney. Just what is going on with him? And also just to a larger point, why can't this team find a good pass rusher to pair next to Miles Garrett? I mean, Garrett's you know about one of the best in football. No one else has more than three sacks. Why can't they find a guy opposite to Garrett? Yeah, there's Mary Kay Cabot at Cleveland.com. She talked to him one-on-one yesterday, and um, he said some really interesting stuff to her. Doesn't think he'll be back. Doesn't think the team believes in him. Um, Thinks they cater to Miles Garrett. The team caters to Miles Garrett, gives him, try to get him favorable matchups, and ignores the other guys in the D-line. It was was really a harsh um, comment from David, so I'm kind of interested to see what – how the coaches and even Miles Garrett react today when we talk to those guys. Um, but yeah, I, the defense, the op, the bookend for Miles Garrett is really interesting. And as I was just thinking about that, you know, before, um, I always, I've kind of thought that they need to go find like a long-term answer, right? Go get mm-hmm. a number two that you can pair with him. And those guys are together for, you know, four or five years. The Browns seem to have a different philosophy. I don't know if that will change this off season, given what's happened with Jamie Clowney. Um, but you know, they had Olivia Vernon for a couple of years and he was good. You know, and then they gave me Clowney for a couple of years and Clowney was really good last year. So I understand why they do it. And you don't want to have so many resources tied up in one position and they're playing, paying Garrett 25 million a year. Right. So you think, okay, we're just kind of patch it together year to year. And, and I get that, 
But I also like the idea of kind of having this young guy that learns, a young good guy that learns from Garrett and they can be this pair together. You know, you think of when the Giants won those couple of Super Bowls, they had that big time front four, you know, and they're not the only team. A lot of teams have that, you know, have those two guys on the edges. So um, I'd like to see that. I know the Browns have some salary cap issues given their big contracts, so I don't know that they'll do it. Um, but, you know, they drafted Alex Wright in the third round this year. He, I don't think he's ready to be – he doesn't have a sack. I don't think he's ready to be the full-time starter opposite Garrett. So you do have to find someone that threatens the defense and or takes advantage when teams pay as much attention to Garrett as, um, you know, offensive lines do. Uh, Scott, speaking of <laughs> clowning, when that report dropped last night, I thought, is he going to show back up on the injury report on Friday? Is that groin all of a sudden going to get uh, uh, tight uh, with him? I, I, you know, lo- I'm making a kind of a kind of a, 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 a joke there, but I mean, is there any? Uh, you know, it, it will be interesting to see how this coaching staff reacts to this, right? Is there any chance that they say, ah, we we don't care for that? I mean, could he be inactive on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, that's a question that is going to be asked to Kevin Stefanski today, certainly. Um, so, yeah, I, I would not rule that out at all. Um, you know, Clowney, good here, is a player. Um, you know, the production was down this year, and he dealt with some an ankle injury that kept him out parts of the season. Um, but I think I do think he's played better than the two sacks that he's got. I, I really do. He's been around the ball. And actually, I was hoping to talk to him this week myself. And I was going to say that to him that, you know, it feels like you've played better than two sacks because I do think he's been around the ball more and um, they just haven't come to him. You know, it's, there's a play last week where Bonnie was half a step behind Garrett and getting to Carson Wentz, right? So that doesn't show up as a sack, obviously, but he was right there. Um, So, yeah, I think, but he's a, you know, he's, he's a mercurial kind of guy, you know, and you don't really know what he's thinking all the time. And, and he says what he's thinking, and that can get him in trouble. So, I, I do think that that's—I I do think that that's a question mark. For, excuse me, for Sunday, you know. And then the, one of the rookies, Isaiah Thomas, didn't practice with a foot injury Thursday, so they could wind up being shorthanded there. It's going to be interesting to see how it goes. Yeah, and I was going to ask you about—I would guess the two to watch on the injury report on 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 Friday would be uh, Thomas and, of course, uh, Denzel Ward with uh, with the shoulder there. Uh, how do you think that's going to play out? With, 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 with are, are those the two guys to watch on Friday? Yeah, actually, I think it's Ward and uh, Conklin. Conklin okay. hasn't practiced this week with an ankle. Wow. And Ward hasn't practiced with the shoulder. Now, Ward's been working on the side, so who knows? I mean, it's so hard when last game of the season – you know, both these guys are paid big money. You know, do you risk further injury in a game? Sure. Like we talked about, doesn't mean much for the Browns. Um, you know, I'd kind of be surprised if, both, if either of those guys played, but the Browns have not made any kind of decision yet. And Kevin Spence wouldn't rule them out earlier in the week. Um, you know, I think Denzel Ward's really good. And he's playing, I think he's playing a lot better in recent weeks than he did earlier in the season. But they have some depth at corner. You know, they had Greg Newsom the second. They have Martin Emerson Jr., the rookie who's played well this year. A.J. Green, Greedy Williams, who's kind of become a non-factor. But they have some guys at corner. Um, right tackle, to me, is the issue. If Conklin doesn't play, then it's James Hudson the third. And you know, he hasn't. He played some this year. He started the first couple games when Conklin was out, still coming back from that patellar. Um, but Hudson's a guy that gave up four sacks to T.J. Watt in week whatever, 17 last year. So, um, you know, 
that could destroy the game for the Browns. Now the Browns think he'll be better this year because he has some experience. He's gone up against Watt before. Um, obviously, again, have to figure out a way to help him and not let him wreck the game. So uh, that's certainly something to keep an eye on. And Hudson, they're fullback occasionally, which is kind of fun to watch anytime you see a big lineman in the backfield there. Uh, <laughs> my last question for you, Scott, and let they finish things out. I, I, I know you've probably been asked about this a million times, so I'll keep it very short. Where do you commit on Kevin Stefanski? Is this job truly safe no matter what happens here in this finale? Is there any chance of shifting roles or play calling next year? What, what's the outlook on Kevin Stefanski? I think it's job safe. You know, I mean, if they lose 50 to nothing, could that change things? Sure. You never know with the Haslam's, but um, unless something really unforeseen happens, Stefanski's coming back. I think he keeps the play calling duties I, uh, a strength for him. I really do. I know some people around here quibble with specific calls and, you know, he doesn't run enough. I, I think he's been good this year. I think, you know, they scored a bunch of points with Jacoby Reset at quarterback, and, you know, not every coach can do that with a backup quarterback. So, He's not perfect, but I think he'll be back, and I think he'll still be calling plays. Now you could have changes at defense coordinator and maybe even special teams coordinator. I think after two disappointing seasons in a row, you probably shake things up to some degree. Um, but I certainly don't expect it to be at the head coach spot. Scott is someone who uh, you know obviously uh, uh, been around the Browns for a while, and and of course uh, watched AFC North football to go along with it, and and part of that being the Steelers. What's your thoughts on the 2022 Steelers at this point? Eight and eight right now, and obviously going to need a win on Sunday and a couple of games to go their 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 way to get into the playoffs. But uh, where where are you on what you've seen ha- ha- uh, happen to the Steelers this year? Yeah, it, I'm just extremely impressed with the ability to bounce back from that two and six start. The ability to, you know. I guess, always be in the mix. You know, I think that's really impressive. Not that I doubted it. You know, I know a lot of people right now, the Steelers before the season, especially around here, right? Um, but I never expected that. I just think Mike Tomlin's too good. I believe in culture, and I think that culture is too good. So I've been really impressed by the turnaround. I think on the field, you know, I went back and watched the last couple of games that, you know, the Steelers played. Um, you know, Obviously not explosive, right? Not scoring right. a ton of points, but doing what they need to do to win. The defense is always, <laughs> usually, formidable. Um, I have been impressed with Pickett's playmaking ability, you know, getting outside, outside the pocket and doing, uh, making plays that way. Obviously, look at that touchdown last week to beat the Ravens. Um, you know, I'm not ready to say he belongs in the, you know, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, right. Sean Watson discussion, but... You know, but I haven't been impressed. And, you know, when he takes care of the ball, obviously he puts him in a much better position to win. Um, so, I mean, those are my biggest takeaways. I thought Najee, you know, turned it around early in the year. I thought, oh, my gosh, this guy might not turn out to be the guy I thought he was. And then I think he's played much better lately. Um, let me ask you something. I got you. What do you think about Pickett's arm strength? Because I'm kind of I'm looking forward to seeing him live on Sunday. And he's made some throws for sure. Is it big enough? Like it, uh, that's kind of the question I have with him. Still. It, it's it's been a question right out of shoot. It's one of the things Alex and I have kind of hit on that. Uh, the two things we were, or three things we were kind of waiting to see late in the season were uh, making plays in the red zone, putting the ball in the end zone that way, pushing the football down the field 
We saw a little bit of that in the Ravens game, right? With a couple of those plays out of structure and all, but he's never to us. He's never going to be that 53 yard, you know, air, you know, uh, uh, air yard guy down the field. He's going to be more the 43 to 48, you know, kind of guy. So that's probably one of the boxes that he still has to check is can he push the football down the field, you know, much more than like 40, 45 yards, you know, right? Yeah. Yeah, And that's interesting because I I do think that limits you, not that you can't win like that. Right. Um, You know, and especially if you have that, if you have that escapability that he certainly seems to show and I wasn't, I didn't always know that he had that, I guess. Um, But that would be, you know, that'd be my question about him, but I have been impressed and especially the way he plays has played the last couple of weeks in the fourth quarter. Obviously that's impressive. All right, Scott, uh, we got to wind you down. How, uh, how do you see this going on, on Sunday? You got a final score for us. And do you think the Steelers will somehow manage this to sneak into this thing? Yeah. Um, yeah, I got the Steelers winning. I, I, I thought it was a really tough pick for me because I think the Browns might be better. Um, and I think the Browns are better quarterback, you know, um, Mm -hmm. But the Steelers have more motivation. I think that's important. I don't know how this clowny thing is going to affect the team, if at all. So I think that's something to, you know, when you're thinking, okay, it's going to be a close game. That gives me one more reason to stick with the Steelers. So I'm going to go Steelers like 23-21. Okay, you think they'll get in? Think they'll get enough help? I don't know. I, you know, they need Miami to lose, right? <laughs> yeah, they need Miami to is lose. Is that one of the games? Yeah, yeah and they need, need New England. They need Miami and New England to both either lose or tie. Yeah, I mean, I, I think New England's going to lose. Um, and, and I think Miami could lose, obviously. It, it just, uh, you know, I saw a Twitter clip yesterday, and I'm thinking, okay, Miami Miami Jets, Miami Jets. I, I feel like maybe Miami figures out a way to win that game. Um, so I'd be worried about that if I was the Steelers. And tell the people what they're going to find over at Brown Zone, uh, not only for this week, but on into the offseason. Yeah, I mean, I got, you know, I think up there now is a story about Joe Woods maybe getting fired. <laughs> you know, him talking about wanting <laughs> to stay. Um, there's a story up there about Joe Thomas being a Hall of Fame finalist. Uh, we'll have the clowny reaction today. Um, things to watch for the game coming up. Um, I had an interview with Grant Delpit yesterday, so I'll write that one of these days. Um, you know, and then the offseason, it's, you know, following any coaching changes that are made. And then, you know, there's always something going on, right? right the combine right. and all that stuff coming up. So right. Joe Thomas will probably get in the Hall of Fame, so that'll be on there. Absolutely. All right, uh, Scott, look, uh, Alex and I appreciate you joining us twice this year, and we'll check in uh, with you during the offseason here, probably closer to the draft to see what's going on with the Browns. So uh, as you know, another season here winds down, uh, Scott, thanks again for joining uh, Alex and myself on the Terrible Podcast. All right, thanks for having me, fellas. And welcome back to the Terrible Podcast. And again, our special thanks to Scott Petrak, who, uh, again, you should follow him on Twitter at Scott Petrak and be sure to shout him out as you guys uh, did with Jonas and really appreciate those comments. But uh, be sure to to say the same for Scott. Uh, Follow him at Scott Petrak and appreciate his time as always, Dave. Boy, Scott's become kind of, you know, now that uh, John Eisenberg uh, has, 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 has moved on with his life's work. Scott's become one of the, him and, you know, Paul Dana, of course, uh, have become kind of those guys now, right? 
uh, uh, for us, those, those longstanding uh, guys there. So we certainly do appreciate his time. And we, you know, we had to rearrange, you know, we do anything to kind of accommodate these guys to get on, whether it be moving up the, the start time by an hour, like we did today with, with, with the time that we normally get started here. So uh, if we want to be able to talk to these guys, you know, especially during the off season and, 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 and twice next year and all, it's important that they know that they're being heard. And mm -hmm. the way you do that is if you're on social media, reaching out and thanking them for their time for coming on twice a year or visiting their, you know, visiting brownzone.com and, and checking in that way. Or, you know, if you follow any of them, I don't know, on Facebook or anything like that, but just, you know, make a concerted effort to support them and somehow let them know that you are hearing them. That's the best payback that you can give those guys for their time uh, that they, that they spend it with us. And we thoroughly enjoy talking to them a couple, you know, especially the AFC North beat writers a couple of times a year. So do us, you know, we, we know you do. There's certain Margie and, and uh, you know, there's several of you out there. We see it. Uh, and we, we try to retweet it when we see it out there. We certainly do. Thank you for reaching out to these guys, uh, uh, you know, after the fact that they've been on. Absolutely does not go unnoticed by by David and myself. All right, Dave, let's uh, let's preview this the Steelers Browns game ourselves Sunday one o'clock Eastern time season on the line for the Pittsburgh Steelers Browns eliminated trying to play spoiler. Of course, two new quarterbacks in this game. The matchup in Week Three was Jacoby Brissett versus Mitch Trubisky, and Alice Deshaun Watson versus Kenny Pickett. And so Watson has a had a pretty quiet start to his Browns career, shaking off all that rust from you know two years of, of missed time. Basically coming off his best half of football in that win last weekend over Washington, throwing three second half touchdowns. So, um, yeah, I thought Brissett played well for Cleveland, but Watson certainly, as Cleveland's hoping for, can be that that top tier type of quarterback. Yeah, look, uh, you know, they, they, they're moving him a little bit out of the pocket, right? You know, but I mean, it come first and foremost there. It starts with with uh, shutting down their running game and Nick Chubb. I mean, this is this is obviously an offensive front similar. I mean, uh, uh, or an offensive game plan that's going to be very similar to what we previewed there uh, way back in, in 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 week three. There, they are going to want to try to run the football. Mm -hmm. uh, they, uh, if you remember back to the early game, I mean, David uh, in Joku, they they really found real real quick, especially against some of those uh, zone coverages. Uh, and really, you know, a couple of man times, I think as well, too, that, that, that was an area that they could, could exploit. Uh, they did a good job in certain situations. They probably didn't do it enough of getting the ball in, in the hands of Mar Amari Cooper, some of them over routes that they ran. I remember against him as well, too, that, uh, they've been able to run for most of the season as well, too. But, uh, this is going to be, you know, when, when you kind of compare this to, to what the Steelers had to get ready for against the Ravens. You know, the, the, the previous week there, uh, this is a lot more balanced offense overall because of the quarterback uh, situation, because of the wide receiver situation uh, over there as well, too. Look, and, and Baltimore, yeah, Baltimore has Andrews and and Likely and all like that. But uh, uh, the Steelers knew that they had to go into that game if they stopped the run. Uh, because of them having the backup quarterback in there, that was going to be the big, big component of, of that. Merely stopping the run on Sunday against the Browns, you know, still might not be good enough because of the right. because of some of those wide receivers that they have in Cooper. Uh, we haven't I haven't even mentioned the name Don Donovan Peoples Jones. He has really emerged as being uh, that 
that that guy that could be the number two over there. And, and, and as I did mention, you got to watch out for David Njoku. So there, even though this team is out of it there, and and, and I think uh, Deshaun Watson's been super sloppy at times, uh, trying to find his footing in all this. I think you got to get in a situation where I want Deshaun Watson to have to beat me with his arm by by throwing to guys like Cooper and Donovan Pe- Donovan Peoples Jones. I uh, should note here again, I'm, I'm all part, I'm all interruptions today, but that, uh, that groin for Jadavian Clowney has apparently gotten tight. He's been sent home from practice. He will not practice, and I assume he will not be playing in this game. So the Browns have heard Clowney's comments and said, get out of here. Okay. Well, I nailed that one, didn't I? Yeah. So we're all, we're all full of checkered flags today, but, uh, yeah, that's Mike Garofalo. The tweet here, the Browns have sent Jadavian Clowney home today. He won't practice. And then he said yesterday he was 95% sure he wouldn't be back in Cleveland next year. I'm 100% sure he will not be back in Cleveland for this game on Sunday. Well, there's one easy inactive. Uh, look, I mean, <laughs> you do this long enough like we've done it. Uh, it, it, it you know, some of these things stick out and I mean, he's going to be inactive now, right? A hundred percent. I mean, he's he's not going to even be in the stadium, I imagine, uh, on Sunday. So that is the story there with your Davian Clowney. And uh, that's kind of what Scott <laughs> and we just talked about about an hour ago. <laughs> All right. Back to the, uh, the Browns. It's got to be that groin. It's that groin. It's just pesky, pesky groin injuries in, in week 18. Long season, apparently. Uh, Browns, but yeah, what you said, what you surmised is, is accurate. They can pass the ball now with Deshaun Watson. They're going to move the pocket. They can run quarterback sweeps. They had a quarterback sweep for a touchdown with Deshaun Watson. So the design run game, uh, Brissett was really a, a quarterback sneak and makes run when he had to kind of guy. Watson is is more than that. Although, again, I know they were better against the, the, the commanders in the second half. This offense has not really hit their stride with Watson. If anything, they've kind of regressed in, in a lot of ways. Um, in the red zone, their overall points per game. So they're they're going to try to carry uh and and carry over what they did, what they did in the second half against Washington into this game. But overall, this this offense has kind of been clunky as they've adjusted to Watson and of course Watson trying to shake off all the rust from time missed. Feels like they've been trying to win some games, like the Steelers been trying to win some games this year, right? Yeah, I think they're ident- I mean, they've always had a better identity in terms of their their they can run the ball. the ball. Yeah. And now Kareem Hunt's had a, a down year and it's really kind of been Chubb as their top guy. It's a little less. I mean, Hunt's playing on passing downs. He gets work, but you know, he's really not been all that productive. Chubb, again, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I think Nick Chubb's the best pure runner in football, even better than Derrick Henry or Saquon Barkley or anybody you want to throw out there. And he's still having a really strong season. The O line is not blocked as well. And so it's been a been a bit tougher for them just because they've lacked some of the 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 core that they've had in the past, but their identity, as you said, is still very much. I think they've run more gap scheme lately, but it, it is a run first mentality. Right. Uh, you got to shut that down first and foremost. But I I, I firmly believe that you uh, you got to you know how ha, ha, Deshaun. I mean those, those touchdown throws were. He didn't have to throw a lot in that last game, right? And, but when he right. did have to throw and, and that's obviously a byproduct of them being able to run, run the football there. But, uh, uh, I want to see him, I want to see Deshaun make plays in that offense to beat the Steelers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure he'll have to now he's, he was scrambling and he's able to break tackles and there's a different element to that's so a quarterback contain, which I think for Pittsburgh has been still not great. Even in that Ravens game against Tyler Honey, I thought, you know, he's able to break contain a couple times. And so that's gotta be better, especially against the mobile quarterback. 
in Deshaun Watson. But uh, Amari Cooper has had a really strong year. They're moving him around quite a bit, trying to get him free. And obviously, Cooper had a big game against Pittsburgh in that first matchup for you know seven catches, 100-plus yards, and a touchdown. So that's their number one guy to try to take away is Amari Cooper. Right, right. He He's had a nice season overall, I think. Yeah, I mean, they stole him from Dallas. A fifth-round pick for for that production has been fantastic. They do a good job. They can flick. They run dagger outs and smash seams to try to really put the safety in conflict. So Minka Fitzpatrick, Edmonds in this game, uh, Casey, if he's playing in dime, those guys have to be really disciplined and um, you know read the feed, uh, read the the field uh, well to be able to to make sure they don't get uh, they don't bite on something. Right, and also you're probably going to see a lot of zone in here because you don't want to turn your back too often to Deshaun White, right? Yeah, yeah, I think you're going to probably play more zone to not man up because whenever he runs and scrambles, that that's always a challenge for those mobile quarterbacks. All right, now it'll be interesting to see what happens on that other tackle spot too, right? Uh, uh, and e- even even so, you know, Conklin's not going to be probably 100% in in this game. Uh, you you need you need your edge guys. You know, get Mike Tallman hit on this the other day, and I you know maybe we didn't pay enough attention uh, to it or, or, or talk about it enough. Uh, in that first game, the Browns really, really did a great job of staying, doing what the Steers have been doing, staying in the third manageable type situations there. Uh, and that goes back to stopping a run, run on the early downs there. You cannot let this, you can't let this Browns team uh, get in a situation multiple times on uh, third and fourth situations or less where they have you guessing of what they're going to do on that, on that down. Because uh, right for them, if they they think nothing of, be, of of attempting to run the football on third and three, third and four situations there. So you've sure. got to get them in the must must passing situations, and you know ideally third and five or longer, where Deshaun Watson has to hold that football a little bit longer, and you, you let your 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 edge guys get to work on there. But uh, I would think for the most part, if they can stay ahead of the chains. Meaning running running well on early downs, then you're going to get into a lot of situations where if they do get in the third down, short situations, that Deshaun Watson will be getting the football out of his hands quickly. And when they do have to hold on to the football, you're going to see some max protection type situations. Yeah, I think so. One last note is, you know, Alex Highsmith has always owned their left tackle, Jedrick Wills, on that inside spin, especially. And I think. In recent weeks, I've seen tackles be able to handle Highsmith's spin a bit better. Colton Miller of the Raiders, um, Stanley against Baltimore. I thought they've been tackles understand that's coming and they're probably preparing for it a bit more. But I really want to see that Highsmith Wills matchup, um, even though what Watt will do against Conklin or Hudson, whoever's over there at right tackle is going to be the focus um, because Highsmith has historically had a lot of uh, a lot of success against Jedrick Wills. And and uh, we talked, you know, uh, when Watt's healthy this year. Uh, that in, in Hayward's on the field, or, you know, that there was going to be games where Heisman's going to have his opportunities to win one on one against some of these tackles. Uh, this should be one of these games where Heisman should have an opportunity to, uh, to 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 display that he's that guy. Yeah, I think it'll be a big game for him. Big game for this pass rush again. Both the actual getting after the quarterback, finishing the play on a on a mobile quarterback, and then containing Watson as well can be just as important as making a sack or a pressure or something like that. Right. All right, Dave. Uh, the Browns' defense here. I think you can kind of sum it up in two different sections. Their front seven's been pretty lackluster. They have a bottom third ranked run defense, and they've had a bunch of injuries up front. And now it appears to be Jadavian Clowney will not even play in this game. That secondary, though, I think has been strong, underrated. And so that all lends itself to Pittsburgh's identity and philosophy of 
run the heck out of the football in this game. Yeah, uh, their secondary has been okay. That you, you know, I write those uh, uh, recaps up in the AFC North every week, and it's been kind of a constant at time. Uh, remember last year when 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 Mika had to make all those tackles? Boy, John Johnson's having mm-hmm. to show up a lot. Delp it too, uh, and Delp it to 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 make a lot of tackles. And I that within itself, I mean, you know, kudos to those guys for, for, for being those guys, but it lets you know, I think it gives you a kind of, kind of an idea of what has been happening. They have been beat up, up the middle at the linebacker uh, position, right? I mean, you have all those guys on, on, on IR, uh, uh, Wusu Koromoa, uh, is one of them that they're missing there. Who else is, uh, didn't they lose? Uh, talkie a- talkie. Oh yeah. Talkie talkie. Best name in football. Yeah. Yes. Tore, well, unfortunately towards ACL. Right. So, I mean, they have been hurting up the middle overall in there and, and quite honestly, really over, oh, you know, Jordan Elliott and Tate, Taven Bryan, I think have been playing okay, but, uh, I don't know how many times I've said it in the last couple of weeks or high diddle diddle send Najee up the middle. Uh, yeah. that's, 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 that should be the goal here. And this offensive line has been getting that push, uh, early in games where you you physically physically see them uh, be able to get off the ball, get to the next get you know in 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 in, in some of those inside zone schemes of uh, being able to to get the bubble cracked and hit the guy at the next level, they've been able to do that. And this is a game where you come out and I think you try to impose your just like they're going to try to do against the Steelers. You come out trying to run the football and try to run it up the middle on them and them not having now Jadavian Clowney, who's never, in my opinion, been super great against a run, but they're, they might be vulnerable on the edge now as well, too, when it comes to comes to defending the run. The analogy that I made in my report was this has a very like Bengals before they got good kind of feel. Remember when Jesse Bates and Von Dell would make all the tackles every single year for a couple of years? It's not really the case anymore, but that's where, where Cleveland sits today. And, you know, just over the season, following some of the Browns guys, some of the, the NFL guys that do all 22 of the entire league, some of the worst run defense clips I've seen this year have been against the, the, the Cleveland Browns run defense, and they've just been allowing some some truck-sized holes. I mean, you talk about the injuries at inside backer. I had to look up who's even playing for them right now. It's Tony Fields. It's Jermaine Carter. And yeah, Reggie Ragland's somehow still in the, in the NFL. Um, those guys don't even have their photos on the team site yet. That's how new they are to the team and, and Ragland and Carter, um, who I like coming out of Maryland, by the way, that's, that's probably worth nothing. But uh, the, the, the interior defense line has been a problem for them all year. And Andrew Berry's kind of analytics mind, he valued the interior defensive line position. They're feeling the effects of that. So this plays perfectly into what Pittsburgh wants to do because they face some really tough run defenses lately. They will not be facing a tough run defense this weekend. You don't take anything for granted. It's left to go out there and execute, but they should run the ball at a pretty high clip in this game. And you know, the, what, what, what's been the defensive model kind of around the league uh, all season? Start off with too high, and if teams can uh, run the ball, then, of course, force force the safety down. But, but, but in general, I think teams want defenses around the league because of the the uh, ability with these receivers you, you want to play too high first and foremost so uh try to get if, if, if you know if, if if the browns come out in that early you've got to run the football force one of those uh you know uh one of those safeties you know like johnson down uh to help there and then maybe you'll start getting some of those uh, matchups on the outside uh occasionally you know, where, where you can exploit, push the football down the field. 
I will say, I think you're right. A lot of teams are trying to play too high. The Browns have stacked the box a lot because they know how bad their run defense is. I think that's one reason why you're seeing Delbert and John Johnson make all these tackles because they're playing eight-man boxes quite a bit and trusting they got enough talent in the secondary and outside corner with Ward and Emerson and uh, Newsom to to win those matchups. So you're going to see eight in the box. You're going to see this D-line slant or aggressively. They try to one-gap and penetrate and make plays that way. Linebackers scrape over the top. They wrong-arm pulling guards. Um, so they want to be aggressive up front to try to create some splash. But uh, if you can get past that into the second level, you're going to have some big runs for this this ground game. Uh, let's look at uh, some of their defensive tendencies here from, let's say, I don't know, week 15. Because uh, they, they isn't that about where they had to make some more changes at linebacker and all right yeah, around in there. About that, uh, that's stack box, uh, 31% of the time. Uh, and I think that's uh, that usage rank is fourth in the league. Light okay. box, 42% of the time, 25th in the league. Seven-man box usage, 27%, 26th uh, rank in the league when it comes to that. So that kind of plays uh, along with this recency with them, with kind of the injuries uh, that they have. Uh, even so, they they too, too high shell. 63% of the time is uh, ranked sixth in the league as far as usage goes. So they're either in too high shell or they stack in the box. <laughs> That's kind of weird that they're leading in both of those. You typically right. think you're kind of one or the other. So I guess it's maybe maybe on maybe more because in passing situations, Stern Long, they're going to play a lot of cover too. So that's where you get your too high looks. Maybe that's influencing that. But at least in the tape that I watched early downs, they're putting their, which makes sense. If, you're, if your front seven sucks, you're going to put a safety down to try to stop the run. Here it is. I filtered this down to you to third and fourth down for the same same weeks, week 15 Mm -hmm. to 18. Uh, Too high, 68%. uh, Fourth ranked fourth in the league. So most of their too high stuff seems to be coming in third down situations. Okay. That makes me feel good when I do my, because I don't don't look at these numbers beforehand. So when I do my scouting report, it's based on mostly off the tape. And so I feel good when those things kind of align what I'm seeing, what the tendencies I'm seeing versus the actual stats. All right. So uh, early down, they'll stack the box. If you can, uh, you know, run against it, then, you know, uh, you're going to keep them in in, in those situations. They're they're ideally going to thinking that they're going to stop you and get you in a third and long situation where, where they can play too high. Yeah, that has not worked for them too well this year, but that's going to be their mission. And Pittsburgh's mission, of course, is to combat that. But again, the secondary is strong. Now, Ward may not play, but Martin Emerson's had a really strong rookie season. I know that Sauce Gardner gets all the attention for the, the great rookie cornerback play, but Emerson has been you know, not quite up there with him, but, but not far away. And they got Newsom, and I think Delbert's got three picks his last two weeks. And you know, it's a pretty good secondary. So again, this all feeds into the Steelers. I think it'll be a very Carolina game plan after just the goal is to literally run the ball 43 times. Four-man rush uh, last several weeks with them, 85% second most in the league, and then, and their blitz rate's just 12% because they haven't been in, uh, at least in the last couple of games, they haven't had a lot of situations, I don't think, where they could blitz, you know. Right, uh, and they're a four down front, and they don't, right. you know, traditionally those teams don't blitz a ton. Right. All right. Um, and then, yeah, their D.C. probably will get fired after this year. Joe Woods, a Western PA, lived in my old hometown. So mm. I'm quietly rooting for Joe Woods to survive, but I think uh, he'll probably be fired after this year. Okay. I think he actually literally said after his last uh, presser, he said, hopefully I talk to you guys next year, which is never a good sign for a, a coordinator <laughs> to, to tell the media. But anyway, any final thoughts you with this Browns defense? Special teams in OK York, their kicker's been up and down. So that's a, a name to watch. 
look, you got to just, you know, if they, you'd expect this to be another low scoring game. I think uh, you can't let the, here, here's the thing. The, the difference in this ball game is, is kind of what Mike Tomlin hit on the other day. Uh, you, if you can keep the Browns out of those third and manageable situations, uh, that's going to be the difference in the game. Yeah. I think that that sums it up pretty well. So let's, uh, let's move on here, Dave. We'll make our predictions for this game in a moment, but before we do that, let's hear from our friends over at my bookie. Yeah, Alex, it's a new year, new you. So give yourself a fresh start with my bookie. Whether you bet to earn or to make the games more exciting, my bookie gives you the most for your money with their redesigned deposit bonus. Use just use promo code terrible on a deposit of $50 or more to receive a cash bonus instantly to your my bookie account once again on a deposit of $50 or more to receive a cash bonus instantly to your my bookie account using promo code Ter- terrible using this bonus is simple bet your deposit amount just once and you're ready to cash out it's no strings attached with my bookie bet on the NFL the UFC or play for a share of big cash prizes in the weekly online blackjack tournaments they have with so many brands to choose from you need a platform that makes it simple to bet and win like my bookie bet anything anytime anywhere with my bookie Additional promo details, this new deposit bonus is a 10% cash bonus on any first-time deposits up to $2,000. The minimum deposit amount is $50, and the maximum bonus amount is $200. This bonus only has a one-time playthrough amount, which means that the bonus doesn't lock you in which is a major, major point for online gamblers. Focus on the cash-in, cash-out aspect of the bonus and not the percentage amount. So once again, use promo code TERRIBLE. On a deposit of $50 or more to receive a cash bonus instantly to your MyBookie account. So uh, there we go, uh, Alex. And we appreciate uh, MyBookie long season uh, once again with them being uh, sponsors of the Terrible Podcast. Absolutely. Thank them uh, very much for their support throughout the year. All right, Dave. No Thursday night football, of course, last night. But let's make our picks for the full slate of games in week 18. Man, I'm going to have to try to make up a six or seven games on you in a hurry. Here. You're catching so, up. You uh, last couple weeks. Well, one one at a time. I'm getting one at a time on you there. <laughs> you got to um, go against me a lot then, I guess. This is kind of your mission Alex, this week. Uh, Alex, I'm not scoring enough points. <laughs> <laughs> you got to score more touchdowns, Dave. <laughs> uh, Kansas City Chiefs at the Raiders out here in Las Vegas. Uh, Chiefs favored by nine on the road against the Raiders. Jared Siddham didn't look too bad in his uh his first start with the Raiders. Still, I know the Chiefs don't always cover, but in a game like this where they can clinch that one seed, give me the Chiefs. I just I gotta take some opposite sides of <laughs> you here. Do. Yeah. Give me the Raiders plus nine and hopefully keep this close. Uh the, a real good game to watch, maybe uh, Saturday night to decide which one of these teams goes to the playoffs and wins the AFC South. The Tennessee Titans at the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars at home, laying six and a half against Joshua Dobbs at quarterback, and of course yeah. we'll have Derrick Henry and all like that back. Really but cool they, moment, but there they won't Josh have. Dobbs. I don't think they'll have Bud Dupree. Right? Bud Dupree's played his last down in Tennessee. Right? I think so. It feels like one of those one of those signings of why there's a new GM or soon to be new GM in Tennessee uh, with the other guy fired a couple weeks ago. Anyway, I'm going to go. Jackson's going to win this game. Do they cover is the question. 
Yeah, I think Jacksonville covers. I'm going to go with the Jags. Damn you, Alex. Uh, <laughs> you get to pick Josh Dobbs. You get to move for Josh Dobbs now. I, I'm, I'm, by Charles, Charles, you've never have seen the original Planet of the Apes kind of movies, have you? No, the no. classic with Charlton you know, Heston. Damn you. Damn you to hell. Uh, t- give me go, Josh, go. Uh, I think Jacksonville wins this, but uh, quite honestly, I, I think Tennessee has the opportunity to keep this close there. So I, I'll I'll go opposite opposite you. Take the six and a half points here. The J. Oh, we got a uh, we got a barn burner here, Alex. Joe Flacco versus Skylar Thompson. Uh, the J E T S Jets 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 at the Miami Dolphins. All of this uh, minutia aside, the Dolphins are two and a half point favorites at home against the Jets. Yeah, that line has moved over the last 24 hours with the quarterback situation there. Oh, man. You know, the Jets do still have a good defense. Skylar Thompson's a quarterback. It sounds like it's going to be Thompson. Not been made official, but I'm betting that's the way this thing's going to go. Give me the Jets. I don't know. Give me the Jets, Flacco. Make some Flacco magic one last time. Right. I mean, we, I mean, and if the Dolphins win this, the Steelers are out. I right? know. I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll go on the same uh, side of the fence. I, I, I legitimately think. Flacco and the Jets can can beat this Dolphins team uh, if if Thompson has to start. Uh, give me the Jets plus the two and a half points. I know you'll be tuned into this one here, Alex. The Houston Texans at the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, if Houston wins and the Bears lose, that puts the uh, the Bears having the, uh, the the number one pick not only in the first round but in the second round. That of course means the Steelers uh, there as well too. Uh, uh, Colts uh, at home laying two and a half against the Texans. Yeah, definitely be too. Not, not even going to watch the Steelers game. Gonna, I'm definitely mm-hmm. tuning into Texans Colts the whole way through. Sam Ellinger is that quarterback. Give me the Texans. I'll take the Colts to cover that two and a half. I got to go opposite. Yeah. Uh, opposite week here. Uh, Buccaneers on the road against the Falcons. Falcons laying four. And I suppose Buccaneers don't have a lot to gain in this one, right? Yeah, do they officially resting their guys though? I can't imagine Tom Brady's playing in this game. Right, maybe he is, but um, I don't think me- they can gain much of anything with within here. And I, I think that's yeah. exactly what you're seeing. Falcons laying four because of all that. Right, Mike even see some Kyle Trask in this game. I mean, Ritter that run game against a tough Bucks front. Eh, give me Atlanta still. Ah. <laughs> uh, I'll. This is a setup. I'll take the Buccaneers plus the four points. Ravens at on the road against the Bengals. The Bengals laying eight against Baltimore. Well, I, I guess Huntley's still going to be at quarterback there. Yeah, he is. Are the uh, Ravens going into like- the playoffs. Uh, I mean, this it, this ain't this not looking too good for them. I mean, they're in. You know, well, if Lamar can get back for the wild card game, that's really all that matters is right. just his health. Um, yeah, I think the I think the Ravens find can they match. Burrow, it's just gonna be so tough to do without any any sort of uh passing attack. Yeah, give me the Bengals in this one. This is this is the only thing with the NFL where it gets confusing because the coin flip only applies if it's a three seed versus a six seed. If it's four or five, apparently there is no coin flip. Why that is, I I don't fully understand. Okay, but anyway, it doesn't really matter. I'm going with the Bengals. I'll take uh, Baltimore to lose, but to, to but to cover that uh, eight points with Justin Tucker kicking. Tucker will have four or five field goals in this, so I'm I'm not scared. Give me the Ravens <laughs> plus eight. Uh, Panthers on the road against the Saints. Uh, the Saints laying three and a half at home against the Panthers. 
Give me Carolina. Give me the Saints because I, I think that I, I think they've actually been been okay uh, 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 overall. You look at adjusted net yards for passing tip on both sides of football. I think they've been okay. Give me the Saints to cover that three and a half. Vikings on the road against the Bears. Uh, need the Bears to lose this one for sure. Need the Texans to win. Vikings laying seven and a half on the road against the Bears. Catch the fever. Nathan Peterman's back in the lineup. That's mm. exciting. Uh, Justin Fields not playing in this one. I don't know what the Vikings are doing. I don't know what's all at stake for them. Regardless, I'm going with Minnesota. I'll take the Vikings late a seven and a half with you on this. New England Patriots on the road. Need the Patriots to lose to the Bills. The Bills laying seven. How do you go against Buffalo? This game's going to mean something for them. Um, it'll be an emotional game, of course. You know, how do you handle that? Sean McDermott talked about, you know, trying to harness that in, in a positive way and not being so emotional that, that it's it's to your detriment. I know it's everything on the line for the Pats as well, but I got to go Buffalo. Uh, I think Buffalo wins this. I think New England keeps it a field goal game. So give me the Patriots plus seven. Giants on the road against the Eagles. The Eagles laying 14 at home against the Giants. I know the Giants are resting their guys, and the Eagles need to win this game for the one seed. Uh, Jalen Hurts should be back. I'm guessing I'm not taking the covers too much. I'm going with Philadelphia here. So you think uh, they'll cover the 14, huh? The Eagles? Yeah, I think they would. That's okay. the line, right? Right, Favored. right. Favored by 14. Okay. All yeah. right. Uh, I'll take, I'll give me, I'll take 14 points, even though the G, with, with, with the G men, I'll take the 14. Rams on the road against the Seahawks. The Seahawks are still in it, trying to get in in here, uh, laying five and a half at home against uh, the Rams. I'll go Rams in this one. I'll say they at least cover. Baker's played better. K-Makers has looked good. I'll go with the Rams. The Rams can't wait to get to the offseason here. Give me the Seahawks to cover that five and a half number. The Seahawks will win by six. Write that down. Write that down. Uh, (laughs) uh, Exactly six. Uh, Chargers on the road against the Broncos. Broncos actually laying two and a half. I think this is another situation where the Chargers don't have much of anything to gain in here. Yeah, the Broncos defense has played well this year to their credit. If it wasn't for their offense and Russell Wilson being so abysmal, we'd, we'd be talking about that more. But you know what? I'll, I'll go Denver to, to finish this thing. I'll out. go Denver later two and a half with you on this one. The Cardinals on the road against the 49ers. Uh, 49ers laying 14 at home against the boy, big spreads. 14 at home against the Cardinals. That- J.J. Watt's last game in the NFL. Yeah, his last game, his quarterback will be David Blau and no DeAndre Hopkins. That's why the line is as big as it is. <sighs> yeah, these lines are huge, but how do you how do you have confidence in what the Cardinals offer right now? I got to go San Francisco with that defense. Yeah, because of their defense, I'll, I'll go with you. I'll lay the 14 in that uh, with you. Dallas Cowboys on the road against the Washington Commanders. The Cowboys on the road laying seven. Yeah, Sam Howell's first start. So the rookie's getting action late here. You got Ritter, you got Howell. Of course, Pickett's been the guy uh, the majority of the year. Dallas, I don't I don't know incentives for them. Howell's first start, though. I'm going to go with the Cowboys. Yeah, Parsons, uh, that pass rush against that kid. Uh, it, it, that's a hard that's a hard ask right there. Uh, unfortunately, I'll have to go with you. Take the Cowboys' latest seven points. Lions uh, uh, on the road against the Packers. Packers trying to stay in this thing. Do the Packers control their own destiny right now? I think they do, yes, don't they? Yes, if they win, they are in. Uh, Packers laying four and a half at home. Uh, at Lambeau Field against the Lions. Yeah, at home. 
Rodgers playing better, you know, this offense a whole lot better. Give me Green Bay. I'll take Green Bay later, four and a half. All right, that circles us all the way back to the Pittsburgh Steelers hosting the Cleveland Browns on Sunday at one o'clock. Be nice to have another one o'clock game, won't it, Alex? Mm-hmm. We've been burning it up at the late, uh, late, late oil here. Steelers, two and a half point favorites at home against the Browns. Like I said, I think this one plays well for Pittsburgh's favor. What they want to do, run the ball, um, not have to put too much on Kenny Pickett. I think. I know we've been predicting some low scoring games of the 16, 14 varieties. I think you can have a random one where the scoring is just a bit more for whatever reason, just the sheer odds of eventually you have to play a game with, where somebody hits the 20 mark. Uh, but I think Pittsburgh's going to run the ball very well. I think defensively, of course, they've been stingy. Watson will be a challenge, though, but they'll handle Cooper better than the first matchup. Run defense has been better. Long story short, I got Pittsburgh winning this one 27 to 20. So a bit higher wow. scoring here. Wow, 27. You trying to put Matt Cannon in the Hall of Fame or what? <laughs> I'm trying. Uh, low scoring game. It, it, uh, I, I, the over under on this is 40 and a half, though. Uh, I still think it's a it's low scoring game. I think Steelers be able to move the football at times, but might struggle putting it in the end zone. Uh, I think they do enough on the defensive side of football. 1916 Steelers. It's, I just rubber stamped that. Every, you know, every game for me, these last few games, I think 1960 has been my, my score. So I think they cover by, by the field goal. Uh, in fact, I think they get a field goal late uh, in this one to break maybe a 16, 16 tie, 1916 Steelers. And will the Steelers get in now, uh, Alex, will they get the help they need? Will they get in? I'm trying to think about what I, I guess in my predictions, I said, yes, because I just picked the Steelers. I picked the jets and I picked, the bills to, to win. So I guess by yeah. my own logic, I should say yes. I mean, the, the way, the way we pick these games, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Man, can you believe it? I mean, I, I, <laughs> to, to me, I, I think I, it, it feels like it'd be a disappointment. You know, you don't control all of it here, but the way this thing's shaping up, I feel it'd be a little bit of a letdown if on Monday, we're not talking about the Steelers in the playoffs. Yeah, and again, I think you could argue the, most, the hardest. The most likely thing is them beating Cleveland, right? The most likely thing? I think it's the, the, the least. most, the hardest thing. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. I think the hardest part of that leg is, yeah, is, is them beating the Browns. I think the Bills have a really good shot to beat the Pats and the Jets' Dolphins. That's probably more of a, of a coin flip, but certainly possible the Jets win that game. So, yeah, I think the, the biggest task of all those three uh, elements is Pittsburgh beating Cleveland. Well, uh, I, I'll admit I was wrong. There you go. Uh, where I, I, at no point did I think this team be competing for a playoff spot in, eight, in week 18 at no, any point. Same here. Yeah, 100%. I, I was wrong in that aspect as well. Uh, we'll see. They still got to finish the, the whole thing. If you lose this game and you're 8-9, it's hard to feel too good about. You came so close yet so far away, but understanding again, can you pick its progression, the progression of this offense as a whole, the young guys that regardless of what happens, you're going to feel, you know, after the emotions of, of, of potentially missing the playoffs go away after a couple of days, you're going to feel good about where this team is at next year. All right. Uh, questions. Uh, Bryce uh, was the call on cam last Sunday. Ticky tack. Yes. However, comma. 
can simply cannot push the pile situation or have prolonged extra stuff after you stop them on third down. Just can't have it. We get on the players for this type stuff. So let's keep some of that same energy as for, uh, for Cam as well. Uh, he says, I love seeing Mika say something to him on the sideline because the best free safety in the game has the cachet to speak up to a guy like Cam. That's leadership. Yeah, I get it to some degree, but I, I, I really, I, I, I don't, I don't think you can call a flag there. Play, play. Is it as simple as saying Cam cannot get in that situation, Alex? I don't think so. It's Steelers Ravens. That that is that was a pillow fight compared to the stuff I've seen in the past on that. I thought it was really ticky tack. Had they called it for the contact with the official, I could have said, okay, letter of the law, you can't contact the official, even if it was incidental. Fine, but they didn't even call it for that. They called it for whatever he did with, with the Ravens and with Minka. I mean, again, Minka didn't understand the moment what happened. He's not seeing a replay. And so I understand him wanting to exp- express that frustration and Cam saying, hey, I didn't do anything. So that's all water under the bridge. But I'm not. I wasn't mad it came in the moment once I saw what happened. I'm not mad at it right now. Look, I've went back and looked at that thing a dozen times and he was pulled down. He's trying to get up off the pile and he's getting the business on one. You know, this isn't a Marcus Allen situation or, or, or somebody running. You know, we are we have over the years have had no issue talking about uh, guys and stupid penalties. Right. Uh, I just I I don't think it's I don't think it's necessary here. All right. Uh, number two, uh, concern about Mark Robinson this week is not number of snaps he plays because the Browns play more traditional offense. It's if the Steelers put him on the field when the Browns go multiple tight ends and then go empty from those sets has has me worried since the Browns have loved to do this in the past. Could you see them trying to catch the Steelers with this personnel group this week? I'm sorry. What was the last part of that? What, what personnel grouping? Uh, talking about putting uh, putting multiple tight ends and then simply uh, going empty from those sets. I mean, they've done that for years. It's always been successful, and they've actually gone empty quite a bit under Deshaun Watson. So that's always been their mo. It's always worked well. Where they're going to go, you know, keep Pittsburgh in base, force those linebackers to cover in space, move their number one receivers inside, and Pittsburgh doesn't travel the corners, and so it's tough to match up. Uh, it's hard to play man or zone against those looks. There's there's downsides there. So certainly, uh, that's it's been done in the past, and I imagine even with a new quarterback, it's going to be the same mo from from the Browns. Right. Absolutely. You, you would think that's going to be. Uh, some of the stuff that we might see and 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 maybe an instance where 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 Robinson gets on the field, right? Yeah. Now again, will he play in will he play in base against two receiver sets is kind of the question that I wonder about. Um it, 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 whenever the Browns go one receiver sets, certainly I would expect Robinson to play. Two receiver sets base, will it be Jack? That's what it was last week. We'll have to see. Brett Nile writes in two questions. First, Dave has already said that if the Steelers win and get into the playoffs, then Tomlin gets a statue. And I assume that has a change. Look, I, I, I know. Will they really build a statue for him outside Akershire? No, but that's how amazed I will be that uh, my, if Mike Tomlin gets his team in the playoffs. Second, he says, my question is, how does that assessment change if they lose this last game? Uh, we, we talked about that, Brett, at the top of this show. Uh I did Mike Tomlin, how Mike Tomlin's job is done on this season. I think we have to find out on, on, on Sunday, if if they, if they beat the Browns, I think there's two different ways that you talk about this season, quite honestly. And, and for it to come down, am am I wrong there? I mean, a a game against a team that's out of the playoffs, uh, should it, 
should it come down to this? No, but I, I think how Mike Tomlin is judged this year does come down. You're either talking about, man, put a statue up for that guy for getting his team in the playoffs, or are you talking about, yikes, first losing season for, for, for Mike Tomlin? I mean, the, what, the, what if it's a third? What if it's a third? The third pick? What if it's the you win the game and you, and you don't get the hope you need? How do you how do you react to that? Well, then I, I think I didn't think they're going to go nine and eight, and that, then then it becomes don't let yourself get in that position where you needed to help. Right? There's that's that there's that area be. of the conversation. Yeah, but that's kind of that awkward like tie. It's it's the metaphorical tie of like you you won the game, you, you took care of business on your end in this game, but you didn't get the help you needed, and so you have the the non losing season, but you're not in the playoffs, and it's all kind of an awkward awkward position, but it would come back to what you said. You know, I'm still burned up about that loss to the Jets. That's the only game that gets him sure. still is losing to the Jets uh, back in week four. And look, just because I think maybe a statue needs to get built, I'm, I'm, I'm not throwing a parade to some... There's no ceremony for that statue going No? Up. You're going to no. build a statue and not have a ceremony? No, no, it? no. It just, it just it kind of silently gets wheeled out there, you know? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> because right. you can't... Because the bumper sticker conversation continues on and we're not... We're not all about the the winning, you know, just a, yeah. I mean, I think the guy's done a hell. I don't know how to say it properly, Alex, without, you know, making some enemies here. I think he's done a hell of a job to, to get the team to this point. I really do. Yeah. I think it's, it's shown the best of Mike Tomlin that, you know, he's never lost that locker room, that guys fight hard. And that's not always, it's not a cliche. And you ask, you know, how do you, how do you know that guys have, you know, have excuse me, have continued to fight hard Bless and, you. And you haven't lost the locker room. It's based on when you're two and six or three and seven and you rally back. And uh, that's the buy and that's the culture change. And that's what the Steelers have built. So, again, understanding that, you know, again, I, I loathe the non losing season stat as much as anybody. I don't want to be nine and eight and get bounced in the playoffs or not make the playoffs and feel good about that. They shouldn't have not won a playoff game since 2016. But you understand, you know, where this team was at and, and hopefully, you know, where they're going and where they'll continue to be in 2023. He says second, personally, I'm a little nervous about potentially letting Canada go because it seems that the offense has gotten worse every time they have changed an OC since Todd Haley. Uh, have you seen the same pattern? Or are you afraid of the same thing? If they let Canada go, I, I will say this and, and I, I don't know which way they're going to get. Let me tell you, if they make the playoffs and who knows if they somehow managed to win a game, which, seems very unlikely, but I mean, it's unlikely they need to be being in this situation. It's hard to let the offensive coordinator go after that. I, I will say this uh, about if they do change an offensive coordinator, I think a lot of the base stuff that they have installed is not going to go away because I think you've kind of, you've at least at this point, you've kind of structured some of this thing, some of this stuff, or at least you should to what Kenny Pickett likes to do. The thing is, is you should be able to immediately build off of some of this base stuff that Kenny likes to do. So uh, I, I think a lot of the playbook stays intact, and that's obviously a good thing. Uh, I just think that you you the the first the first big change would be to kind of elongate that, build off that stuff that they've kind of I made the identity of themselves at right now. Are you suggesting that if they move on from Canada, it'd be more likely of an internal promotion? Yeah, of Mike Sullivan? You, know, you know, it would be, you know, okay. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I think they should look outside obviously, mm -hmm. but if you're asking me to predict what would happen, uh, 
I think they would stay in house with a Mike Sullivan. Because I mean, there's the you, benefit. If you're gonna do that, you're probably gonna just stick with Canada. Yeah, because I don't think Sullivan's offense in a vacuum is the same as Canada's. I mean, obviously he's in the know, and so there's the continuity there. But, but you you're gonna argue, keep a lot of the base, I think, that's in there. Yeah, I mean, what I mean, does Sullivan have that kind of Canada-based offense in terms of all the motion? Is that are you gonna kind of force that in there and ask Sullivan to kind of run an offense that isn't what he runs, or would you hire an out-of-house guy with a similar system as Canada, maybe just hopefully coached up better and better constraint plays? So you wonder which way that could go. Look, I, I look at this two ways. I look at it at what I think they should do, which would be open it up and be open to a Frank Reich or, or who, whomever, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm also paid to give my honest assessment of what I think would happen. No, I know. But to your point, you're saying if they move on from Canada, they're more likely to stay in-house to keep the offense the same. My my point is, so is Mike the, Sullivan's the base, offense really of, match Canada's offense? Well, and that's a good point. I I, I, I can't answer that. Because I, I don't get the sense that if you if you just talked about what is the core of Mike Sullivan's offense when he ran it with, say, the Giants versus what Canada's running It didn't have college. all that motion and right, all like that. Right, right. So, I mean, obviously, you know, you could just tell Sullivan, keep all this stuff, but then is it really his offense and is he kind of still – running half the Canada offense. I mean, there's, there's a whole de- debate to be had about that. Well, then, uh, then it goes back to the debate too. a good offensive coordinator builds his offense around personnel, not what he, sure. what, what his core principles are. But as you said, at that point, just keep Canada. If you're just going to have like basically okay. 90% Canada's offense. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll just, I'm taking it one day at a time right now. And, uh, and, and that's kind of where I'm I at. I mean, if you of- had to guess right now, here we are week 18. Uh, uh, I don't know my, my, I don't know if there is smart money on this, but I would, I, I don't know. I got this feeling they're probably going to keep Canada. If you made me choose, I've gone back and forth and you saw the Fittipaldo report or, or I shouldn't say report. I'll get mad about that, but beliefs that, that, you know, he's, he's a hundred percent gone. Um, I'll say 51% he stays 49. He goes, it's basically the equivalent <laughs> You know, this is the same as choosing where the Bengals and Ravens will play the playoff right. game. It's, it's a coin flip. I mean, I guess that's the way this thing's going to go. I, I and, and I would, yeah, uh, I would lean slightly to Canada staying, but I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know what. Do you do, do you think he should be gone? Putting aside what you think will happen, in your opinion, based on the body of work, should he be the OC next year? I, I don't think he should be. No, per, I, per, uh, I, you got to score points and it goes back to the thing that he's, he has said all season, we got to score more points and you've got to figure out a way to score more points. And why I think things have been better. You can really feel that frustration and tension, partly because they were losing and things are never, you know, kumbaya whenever you're losing, but they really seem to be a dislike in terms of what he was doing. And there, so there's some sort of disconnect, I think there with, uh, with him and, and, and maybe some players. I, I, you know, is a trust, you know, do, do they have confidence in, mm-hmm. in, in what I guess that's the biggest thing do, do do does do the offensive players in that locker room have confidence that he can be a, uh, develop them into a top five offense in this league? Right. And I we don't know that for sure. My sense would be no. Now, do right. they feel better now than they did back in week four when they were losing sure. and everything sucked? Sure. I'm sure it's better. Losing is a product of frustration and tension. But. I, I don't, you know, is he really the long term? Is Canada going to be the OC in three years? Probably not. So that's kind of your answer. 
Uh, thanks for another great season. This is from Ryan Roberts. Uh, uh, I was wondering how you would rank the Steelers teams of the last three years. Uh, 2020 rattled off 11 straight wins, finished 12 and four. They, let me tell you, I was one of the ones that had the first writing writing post out there about is this the worst 11 and 0 team, you know, of of all time. Uh, and obviously went into the playoffs. Uh, Baker Mayfield lost the game in the playoffs. He says number 2000, uh, 2021, start off three and three and finished nine, seven, and one, then lost to KC. Uh, he was, he was, he, he was at that game felt like 82 to 21 walking out of that place felt like game, a game of Thrones episode where, uh, Cersei Lannister. I don't know any of these characters. I've not seen one episode of game. Do you watch game of Thrones, Alex? Not one episode. We're the yeah. only two people left who have not seen think- it, but. I think there we are. Yeah. yeah. You're too busy watching that non-Christmas movie Die Hard. Uh, <laughs> right. I'm going to let that one go. Was forced to walk the streets neck. I don't We I don't get it. They shouted shame, shame, shame. We don't <laughs> get that reference. Uh, no. Sorry, Ryan. What's the question? Uh, sorry, I hit sin too quickly. Maybe I'm a prisoner in a moment, but I might lean to this year as being uh, the best. We shut down care. I guess so many words. He wants to know how would how would we rank these these last three seasons of the Steelers teams? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I got recency bias here with this sure. year's defense. Yeah, and but I mean, it's hard to argue. I mean, they finished, you know, t- started twenty twenty, as you said, eleven and zero. I mean, that's it's hard to be like, yeah, three and seven start was better than that, even though they limped their way to the finish line. The season's not even over, so you can you know rank it however you want. Uh, they've all ended in, in in playoff losses in the wild card round, so hopefully this year's better than that. But of course, it's going to take a hundred steps to to get to that point. I mean, in two thousand twenty one, they couldn't throw the football down the field, but man, you get Ben Roethlisberger close late in the game. Yeah, they won. <laughs> you know, in 2020, they you kind of knew all along that it was it was a smoke and mirrors job, but they won games in the NFL, and that's hard to do. You know, I don't know which way. I mean, 2020 has got to be first. They won the North. End. Yeah, I don't know how you can put anything else? Yeah, uh, below I that. suppose. Yeah, yeah. 2020. Uh, it feels like 2021 really would be next. You know, and yeah. then, I mean, and then 2022, you know, pending what happens, I, you know, obviously this weekend. Yeah, let's end the season before we, we rank the season. Let's yeah. end the season. And if, if they make the playoffs versus if they don't, that's a, a matter. One last interruption for you, Dave. The Bengals reportedly trying to whip up no votes from the NFL proposed hmm. uh, playoff plan. Obviously, the Bengals not happy with the coin flip and. All that stuff. So the saga, the drama may not be over yet. Mike Brown ownership trying to uh, get the NFL to uh, revolt against this proposed plan. All right. Uh, And I did have one other one here that I wanted to hit that came in from the comment section here. Uh, Or came in from the comments on, uh, on, on the website, the comment form. Dave and Alex, I love the show for many years. First time writer, you guys were killed for being negative about Pickett several weeks ago. You softened your tone after the Ravens game. He could be the future, but we still don't know. Less than 20 points per game does not inspire complete confidence. I hope you guys aren't pandering to your base because I have come to trust your seriousness over time. Sincerely a concerned fan. Alex, have we pandered uh, to the base off of one game against the Ravens? 
I hope not. I guess that's for other people to judge. And we try to be as, you know, objective, but I just, I, I just try to think of it as fair as possible. I'll say this after the Raiders game, everybody thought I was wrongly, you know, way too harsh on Kenny Pickett. So I feel like I've tried to be in as, as, uh, as fair as possible with him. I mean, we'll see where it goes, but I just wanted to say, I think what he's shown recently has been really encouraging. I thought he played a heck of a game against Baltimore and just the stakes of that game being on the road, prime time, your season on the line to make those plays late and what he did to end the Raiders game as well. Um, We're not trying to say he is or isn't anything, but you have to feel a lot more encouraged and confident by where he's at now than where he was even a couple of weeks ago. Look, I, I, I thought he showed a couple of nice things in that game. And I was, Kind of questionable, you know, look, he, he won the game against the Raiders, and I think there's nothing wrong with that final drive, but up until that point, he wasn't great. And really, you know, the game, the thing I really liked about the Ra- about the game against the Ravens is, man, making the making the plays uh, out of structure, uh, as many that, that he did, I thought was impressive. And the fact that he was able to throw the football down the field more than 12 yards past the line of scrimmage and, and in the middle of the field at that on a couple of those plays was impressive. I liked a little bit of the pocket presence that he showed, a quick turnaround. There were things that were positive in there, but within that, does he still need to, there, does he need to score more points? Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, I, I, my positivity in him clicked up a notch after the Ravens game, and I don't see how it could not. Now, am I, am I anointing him anything? I have said time and time and time and time and time and time and time again, come get me after week six of the 2023 season. Yeah, we'll keep watching. What I'm going to do after the season ends, whenever it ends, is go through a complete deep dive into Kenny Pickett season. Go back, watch every throw, try to break this thing down, whatever best way I decide to a really long, probably half hour type video on Kenny Pickett. Talk about the good, talk about the bad and come away with kind of final takeaways and thoughts on his rookie year. So whenever that time comes, watch that video and hopefully that'll, you know, give a better clarification on my elongated thoughts on Kenny Pickett. You know, and Scott, uh, Scott's question to us was an absolutely fair one. And it's one that still kind of needs to be answered. Where, what is he? It doesn't matter. You know, can he not be the 50 air yard deep ball deadly guy and still be an elite, be a franchise quarterback in the NFL? Potentially. It's a harder pass, I guess, to your point. Um, and I, I've talked about the concern I've even said recently, even I think post Ravens game of, you know, can you be that top 10 type quarterback? Cause you're in an AFC that's going to have top 10 quarterbacks for the next decade. And you got to have somebody that can get pretty darn close to, to competing with that. He doesn't have to be Patrick Mahomes, but he can't be a, an average quarterback in the NFL and expect the Steelers team to consistently compete and win in the playoffs. So, you know, there's still, still a concern about that. All right. One last one. David records writes in Pat Meyer and company. Do either of you know where I can purchase a Pat Meyer fathead? He says, in all seriousness, I have been impressed with Meyer this year, blah, 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 blah. My question, given up what we've seen up until now, do you think the team will terminate Canada, even given the offensive improvement? The time of possession has been a key to sustaining the defensive play. In my opinion, he says, I think he'll coach out his contract because they almost never fire guys. If you've discussed at length already, thanks for all your work in a depot team uh, produce best content out there. Well, thank you for that. And yeah, we did kind of ex- uh, uh, go through all that uh, point. Take Pat Meyer. Pat, they're not, they're not moving on from Pat Meyer. I'll tell you that. Oh, no, I, no, I, no, I, I don't no think chance. so. 
hundred percent chance he's coming back. They're not going to have another offensive line coach and, and Myers earn, earn the opportunity to come back. So uh, yeah, he's been really good, really solid progressing this line and they bought in gotten comfortable with his past sets and his kind of unique way of teaching things. Um, and he's been, been a really good presence for them. All right, let's wrap it up. We've run long. I'm sure it by now. At oh this yeah. Point. We're very long. Yeah. All right. Uh, you can follow it. Look, Oh, Heinz Ward, James Harrison. We hit on. Oh that? God, yeah. I'm, no, I'm. I totally forgot about that. Well, we'll bring that in here last second, I guess. Uh, yeah, Heinz Ward, James Harrison uh, did not make the finalist list for the Hall of Fame. Um, not surprised. Not, not a Ward. shocker. Harrison, I thought had a chance. Not a great sign for him initially, but he'll try again next year. Uh people don't want to hear us talk about that anymore. We'll 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 pick that up during the off season here as there's more and more talk about Hall of Fame and all, but I people are going to know where we come in on Heinz Ward already. They ain't going to like that going into the weekend there. So let's let's table that uh and just let the news stand alone right now as far as that's concerned. Uh thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening uh throughout the season. Hopefully this the, the Steelers season gets extended. Uh, we're talking about playoffs come Monday. If not, we'll, we'll start wrapping up the season. Uh, several things to talk about, regardless schedule, all that kind of 2023 schedule, free agency. We'll get started on the draft stuff right away. All, all, all that. Here's some late stuff from uh, Scott Petrack. Uh, Petrack. Uh, Jack Conklin didn't practice for a third straight day. Uh, neither did. Uh, Denzel Ward, who continued to work on the side. So they might be without a couple more players. We'll see what the uh, injury report shakes out there. Follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, theterriblepodcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do, want to, want to donate, studentsdepot.com, hit the donate button up right navigational bar. Also, if you like an ad-free version of the site, hit uh, the ad-free button up right navigational bar. Alex and I will be back on Monday talking everything Steelers and more. So in the meantime, as always, thanks for listening to The Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex. <laughs>